welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm wondering where the gardener is, Eric Shea. I might be too, and I'm Jim Martin. <laughs> I might and this be is the here. Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 523. You brought that up, now I am wondering. It's one of those things, it's like I can't unsee it now. We'll be talking yeah. about that, obviously, by the end, in a weird year one. I was waiting for you just to say I'm year one Eric Shea, because we have That's a right. year one theme going on here, I guess you could say. Uh, with a couple books We only have four books this week on the main show I'll tell you right away If you're looking for Fire and Ice Welcome to Smallville number six Or Neil Why? Before Zod number two <laughs> I don't know uh, Hey, everybody has their own books to love and it's like true. And hate, hey, Eric And a lot of times back. A lot of times people uh, like to hear us rail in on a book And we kind of do on the fire and ice but you can find those reviews over on our patreon patreon.com slash weird science where they were picked by the badasses of the get fresh crew and you know they just picked that fire and ice just to hear us lose our minds i don't think we lost our minds but you know maybe our faith in humanity maybe but you could go over there also check out our website weird science dccomics.com that you can get reviews of sus gabe and please call him sus gabe anytime you see him also, go to our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where I have reviews for not only just DC stuff, but also Marvel, and also some commentary videos that get me in hot water with people, Eric. They they hot like takes. to yell at me. They like to yell at me. Hot take. I even have in the video that seems like people think it's a hot take that, hey, everybody, this isn't a hot take. It didn't work, Eric. They didn't, they didn't care. They still you, you need end to up come yelling into at the me. video, tell everybody this is not a hot take, do your thing, but by the time you're done... Play that hot take sound bite we used to show. Actually, I was actually thinking, now, this is a total aside. Let me know what you think and people can let us know. I was thinking of bringing back not the whole rant and rave line, but if I called it the hot take line, do you <laughs> think a hot, because a hot take to me seems like it's something like really quick. Like a oh, hot yeah. take is, and never that Batman so. year one stinks or, you know, who needs the joke now? That's the problem. I, I always am antsy like, uh, there we go. Luke Hollywood will hear that we have the hot takes. He'll be drunk and it'll be 45 minute call, hot take. Dancing mics in. I mean, yeah. But I was thinking of that this weekend because I was thinking of that soundbite, how much I like it that we haven't added. But maybe I will add that. At the end, that's the big reveal. It's the M. Night Shyamalan twist of every video. By the way, this was a hot take and then hit it. Uh, or you awesome. can even change it up because we have different versions of it where it's like, not a hot take. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> toxic fan. <laughs> uh, uh, we say this, Eric. I think we might hear one of those later today. I, I might toxic have to fandoms? end up doing that. Well, yeah, I guess. I just that's saw on you, in, man. That's well, on I you. I just saw in the Slack, and this is, again, just wacky stuff. But I did see that a bunch of sites, this being IGM, but I hear that Bleeding Cool does it as well, that you can actually rate. The entire comment section, you could give it a rating, which does include toxic ratings of right. the comics. Not just one comment, I think. It's like the whole thing. What? Why? It's so ridiculous. I don't, just I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. Like, now I'm, I'm going to give up reviewing comics. We're just going to have the podcast where we rate comment sections of if it's toxic or not. That'd be a hoot, wouldn't it? Be so fun. But as a way to kind of you know mold this into the whole play of this i am probably going to do eventually another hot take video eric i wish i would have brought it up but the video of why do people like they like me eric oh my god they like until i say something they don't quite agree with and then they keep your mouth shut 
You know what I mean? Like, I think that our podcast and really the Get Fresh crew, why I think the Get Fresh crew is so good, (laughs) is the idea that they have their own opinions, which we don't want to tell people what to like or not to like, but they also are very interested in other people's opinions, whether they get mad or agree or disagree, whatever, but they're willing to hear it out. And that's something that I think our podcast has done since we started. But gets us in the hot water. We said at one point, me and you have been accused of everything under the sun simultaneously from different angles. Like it's like sure. you're this, but you're also that. And we're like, what is it? That's why we're in the middle. And if we're stuck in the middle with you. But all of that said and done, I don't even know where this is going. But we only have four books, as I said. So maybe you'll get a little of this extra talk. I, I call it. Hot takes, Eric. Do you? I still didn't pull it up. I really think that by the Excuse time me while I, whip this I, out. I would have pulled this up. The problem is we haven't done the badass roll call, and I don't have any other slots on our sound effects. I got to get that done. So, Eric, this is what I like to call the badass roll call. Oh, yes. You like the rap, Eric? You like the rap no, game? I do, do you not. Like, do you like barbecue I sauce? I do, just not you doing it. You don't like my rap game I I won't do it then Here we go with the badass roll call D-Man 3001 Welcome back D-Man And I love that D-Man came back with the 3001 That's great It made me giggle so much And I loved it It reminded me of the Justice League 3000 to 3001 Whether or not that's what D-Man meant David Fink Dad Nation Yeah y'all Eric K The Zach who likes Big Max That's kind of a rap right there that's not a hot, that's a cold take. He's banned, dead to me. The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I love Punchline. We'll get back to the Big Macs in a minute. Stork, Michael S., Cam, Matt Razor, Neil Stewart, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42, to you and me. Michael G., Ken Halleck, Comic Boom, the Fraggin' Main Man. Oh, oh he's back. my, he is back. Lodging in charge. Bill Fear of Batpod, Ruben, Carlos, Noah Marv, Matthew, Rapier, Luke Hollywood. He went missing this week. Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Batman, Abiyan, Mark, B, Mirror, Brandy Murray, and Double A run up in Minnesota reduction. There you go, Eric. It's fine. Uh, Just keep on going. Uh, you don't come to speed up like that. My name is Jim, and i here to say I mess up the roll call every day. Uh, uh, see, that's what's pretty good about that. I Back to it. Big Macs. So they suck. <laughs> Big Macs are the worst. They are so the bad. Me and you have talked about the Big Macs so much about how they're bad. And I even went through a phase of, well, I was kind of getting them for free. So I was eating them. Didn't make me like them anymore. Remember remember what I did? Here's a little bit of weird science trivia for everybody. Wasn't the thing every time, like, the Phillies hit a home run, you got a free Big Mac? Yeah. Well, there was a point where it was, like, the Phillies getting a win, and then they had to stop Uh that shit. So then it became Eagles getting a sack. And it was last year. They broke the record for sacks. It was the best. <laughs> I was eating like, well, I say like a king. It was the best. I get to eat a sandwich that I really hate over and over again. I don't give a crap. Then they changed it to, then you had to like, you get a sandwich, but then you have to buy $2. And I'm like, yeah, now you're doing too much. I, I don't need to do that. Uh, but the Big Mac, do you remember? This is the trivia for everybody listening as well. What did I? What did I say the Big Mac was, and it drove you nuts? There's something that I said, and I thought I don't again, recall. I thought, and what Eric? You don't remember? I'm desperate. I heard horseshit. The hot take. No, no, it was what I compared the Big Mac to something using 
another company as the thing, Eric. It, it, do you get that? Do you, do you get it? What the hell you're talking about? Just tell me what the hell you're talking about. I'm trying about. to get the hot take here, and I can't get it. I, okay, here we go. I said that the Big Mac was was the Taco Bell of burgers. And <laughs> you said that that didn't make Taco any Bell sense. Taco Bell is delicious, and it doesn't I make any sense. I said it's the Taco Bell of burgers. Oh, my God, Eric. It's not a hot take. Come on, Eric. It's a hot take. Still pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why I said that was because I was Aren't trying to eat it. Are we happy that we waited for that with that hot take? <laughs> The Taco Bell burgers, because I, I was talking to you how bad it was to eat in the car. I said that I couldn't eat it while driving, so it was the Taco Stop Bell burgers. Stop eating while right? driving. Well, that is true. Stop driving while eating. I, oh, my God. Eric, that's a that's a hot take. Oh, God. Uh, uh, I got to get these out of my system, right? I wonder how this one will be. Still pretty lame. Of course, it's, I can't change it up. Yeah, sure <laughs> can. So here we go. I actually, and speaking of which, also, is this a hot taker? We're recording early, and that always throws me off. So let's get recording late th- throws you off. Recording on time throws you off. I'm surprised you're not sick to death right now. I want to tell me all about it? Nope, I feel pretty good. I, it right. might be my diet. I don't know. Might be recording early. Who knows? It may not be. It might be recording early. I don't know. Either way, though, you, you say that now. I'm thinking. Do I feel? I, I actually feel pretty good right now. Last good. night, though, Eric. Let me tell you. I was on the can. I'm taking these fiber pills, and you know Such I want to. Well, I want to. I want to get you know in in better health. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I I don't want to die. So I end up, and so I got these fiber pills because I was eating that mucilic stuff. I was mixing it up, and <laughs> I don't really Christ. love it, right? So I'm the, that and my liver pills, friend. <laughs> I got to come up with some other things. So also that uh the spotty Joe's ointment of uh, goodness. Spotty Joe. Take. Right. Spotty Joe. So. I, I was mixing up the meat, and it, it's not good. And then it only takes me a one little berry to not do it. So I'm like, that's good. So then I hear there's these wafers, these cookie-like wafers. Dr. Matt told me Cookies, about them. you so say. I was going to eat them, but I couldn't find them. So they had these fiber pills. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's easy enough, right? So then I get at home, and I look at the directions. It's like, oh, take five fiber pills, right? Okay, four times a day. I'm like, what the hell is this? I thought it was a, a thing of 600 pills. I thought it lasted me three years. I'm not taking that many. I mean, seriously, Eric. What, what do you think I am? Johnny Fiber? I, I don't even know I why you're not. trying anymore. You're not even doing the recommended dosage. Like, I'm just going to try a little bit of things, but not really do the whole thing. But still, feel like I'm accomplishing something, even though I'm not. On the back, it says, if you want to do it for this reason, take this many. This So I made up my own reason. I'm just taking them for that oh, one. So I take three four times a day so it's still it's still too many and i forget and i actually forgot so in between sections here i think i'll take my my fiber pills there you got you can imagine right now i'm listening to you with those ear horns right and somehow i'm cranking up the computer it's all old timey what's that sonny i gotta get my liver pills Mm. but here we are early early before we get to the books of the night a buddy of mine has done a review site Doing, uh, you know, movie reviews and stuff like that. So if you can do me a favor, please go and check him out at Bellman's Entertainment Review. Now, 
he didn't do things properly. I was yelling at him last night about it because he wants you? to have fun with his site, which I can understand. He's not getting the hits that I think he deserves, but it is Fellman, his last name, F-E-L-L-M-A-N. Fellman, Entertainment, you can get that one, but Review, he spells R-E-V-U-E. So please make sure you check that out because it would do me a huge favor and him a huge favor, and I'd really appreciate it. You say that. I will put the link in the show notes Thank because you. people are going to forget and spell it wrong because Fellman, what are you doing? I told you, this was basically our... It's his thing. He's going with it. It's fun for him. I'm like, okay, you're just limiting yourself a little bit, but I guess I can see where you're going. When we started the site and then the podcast, at one point, Eric wanted the podcast to be called Weird Out Loud. And I said Still to do. him, like, there's no, like, in my mind, if people look and it just becomes kind of like, you don't even think of the names of things or whatever. Yeah. But I ended up where I said, after I had a really bad idea for the name of the site, I said, listen, the searchable term for all this is comics. That's why it's just the weird science comics. But mm-hmm. like everything has to have coming. And so I would say to you constantly, because you said it'd be cool and fun. I said, no, no, no. Yeah. You, get a, you get them in it's the it. door. Like it's a joke shop. Like a joke shop should just say joke shop. And then when you get so, in, wow them with the jokes, right? So what you're telling me <laughs> is we can call it Weird Science, DC Comics Podcast, stuff like that. Make sure that people get through the door right there. But when I start the show with, you know, hello, yeah, welcome you back to the show. It breaks down and cracks up. Welcome back to Weird Out Loud. I'm telling you, they're already in. I'm not I'm not doing that, though. <laughs> it's going to be too hard for me to switch things up. You say all this, and while I love everybody, Eric, I do want to uh-huh. mention that... All the little children. Jason and Ruben like to throw shade at me on the X-Men show that we also have. I'm not on it. They are. So I'm going to throw a little shade at them to tie this all in. They wanted that show to be Weird Dose of X. I'm like, you you nonsense. You have to have X-Men. They did it. So they I did made it. it. It's the long, Weird Dose of X, the X-Men podcast. That, the X-Men go. podcast, that's me. <laughs> that's me going nuts again. That's called compromise. Halfway happy. Come on now. I do like Weird Dose of X as a deal, but th- nobody's finding that. Nobody's well, ever doing that. So, the X-Men podcast. That's It's always there, Eric. So, that's a little bit of a, you know, tips. Just the tip, Eric, for all the people who want to get into this. little edging for everyone to love. You know how it is. I mean. How could you get more popular than, than me and you? I mean, we must know all of the tricks. Oh, my goodness gracious. We just know enough tricks to keep us going just a little bit. Well, I tell you, too, when I'm talking to people and I say, oh, and they're like, oh, I think I heard you. Like, what do you guys do? Oh, we have a podcast. They go, oh, a podcast? Oh, like, that's the reaction. That antiquated shit? And then I'm like, what? You mean people still aren't into it like they were with cereal six years ago? <laughs> you know, that cereal? Again, like, remember? I, I swear that was more than six years ago. I think that was closer to 10 at this point. <laughs> remember when we were like, oh, man, this is all going to take off, not realizing that it was just the true crime that would take off, yep. not us. But True crime comics, everybody. Everybody loves the true crime comics. Also, when I'm saying this and I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of bragging like, hey, I, I came up with that and I did this. I'm also the person that encouraged a 12 hour a week podcast that nobody in their right mind would ever do. But that uh-huh. worked as well there. Remember at one point we were like, we're going to prove that it'll work. And then it got too much. <laughs> yeah, like, Please don't prove it. Much. Don't prove it. We can't do that. We can't stay up all night. That's why I'm taking liver pills. I'm too old for that shit. Uh, the, the Danny Glover of podcasting now. Fellman's Entertainment Review. Please go and check it out. Yeah, and check out, the like I said, the show notes. It'll be a link right there. So we'll give Fellman a little shout out. And I'll go check it out. And I'm going to be a little critical, I think. Actually, oh, I'm no. sure it does. Sure, he does a great job. But we'll, uh, I think recently he's actually now. on a James Bond kick where he's going through all of the James Bond uh, movies one by one. Well, people love that. You know, people. 
I, I actually told somebody because somebody was asking me if I read the Garth Ennis James Bond. And I'm like, I'm not really a James Bond kind of guy. And you know what the guy's response was, which was classic? What kind of guy are you? Because every time the person asks me, I'm like, I'm not really that kind of guy. I'm like, I, I don't think I am anything no, uh, no. like that, which will actually be brought up in the mail section because we have a couple mails as well. But yeah, go check out the link. Go see Feldman's site. And we'll be back with the books in a second. He got his first real comic. Got it at a five and nine. Read it to his fingers, plan. Been reading comics most of his life. Him and some guys from school. They had a book and they tried real hard. Jake quit. Knuckles got married. Youngest was never gonna get far. When he looks back now. You have read comics most of your life, and it, it continues, right? It's, it's a little – it's true, but it's a very disappointing in my mind that we couldn't use the Joker War intro for this section because maybe it's not the Joker War that we had a few years ago, but oh, we, we do kind of have a Joker War taking place in our Batman book in the far-flung future. At least it you seems sort of great. That, like a war. <laughs> I was actually like, what could I use? I, oh, now I, I couldn't even remember what I used for the Joker War, but you did like that one. Maybe we'll hear it by the end, Derek. Walk the dinosaur. I actually was thinking, like, yeah, I don't really have a song for this. But you are correct. We do. But is it a good thing that we do? Through some hemming and hauling, I can get there. But, you know, we can get there. You say that? I was going to put the insomnia, the black hole sun as the thing intro (laughs) only because I listened to it last night. I'm like, I kind of like that one. (laughs) And I was going to throw it in there. But I'm like, nope, I'll do the Eric Likes comics or Red comics most of his life. And. You continue to do so, including doing kind of research or reading for this Batman story that we're going to start with. Obviously, when Batman comes out, we usually do that first. And this Batman number 142, I'll just give the credits right away. Why not? Why not? It's Batman 142 written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Giuseppe Camagoli, Andrea Sorrentino, who Eric doesn't really like, but I love. Stefano Nessi, Alejandro Sanchez, Dave Stewart and Clayton Coles. So we have a year one Joker story. I have been on the record. Eric has a record. I've been on the record telling everybody that I don't think we need a Joker year one story. I said that the Joker is somebody that I think lessens when you know more. And I like to think of him as a mystery. I'll even go as far as saying almost like a supernatural type thing involved. But I, I don't want that to be nailed down either. I like to think that. I like to think. Oh, how could he do that? Oh, and the idea of he's so crazy, he knows the multiverse. All this stuff going on, I think, is what makes him great. More definition of the character, I think, lessens it. So I was worried about this. Then I get into it. I'm like, the hell are we doing in the future? Uh, I don't know what's going on. Well, even the idea, if you want to have a Joker year one story, you can argue that we just did have that, a reimagining of it through Tom King's Batman the Brave and the Bold story. Yeah, and that just ended. I actually was shocked. I think it just ended. But you also have a Joker year one story in his jokes and riddles, the way that that plays out, especially in the timeline. Well, it was a weird deal because it came a year after zero year. 
because yep. the Riddler was in jail for a year, so it kind of was. It, it's all wacky, Eric. And zero year, while well, called zero year, is still a reimagined <laughs> year one. I know. That's what's weird about it. But again, none of these stories, whether you like them or not, I don't think that they elevate the character because what ends up happening, because we have what I think is Frank Miller's definitive, you know, whole Batman story that ends up being this even Batman in it, it throws everything off. The timeline gets all wacky. And when you get into this and throw in a future deal, I just, I, I don't get well, it. Well, even the idea of throwing in a future deal where in the far-flung future, uh, Batman is coming to terms with something about the uh, origin the origin of the Joker, but also is dealing with pretty much like the, you know, the bizarro city that we have going on Jason Aaron's action comics right now, where everybody is being turned into a Joker. They're being Jokerized, and uh, Batman has to figure out what's going on. While on top of that, Duke Thomas has been Jokerized and using his darkness powers to cover the entire city and probably even further in all of darkness. I'm like, this is the most anybody has used of Duke Thomas's powers and the coolest way in my mind that anybody else might. That's crazy. And we don't even see it here. We just have it mentioned. And so you say that I did a, you know, a very non-spoilerific review of this on our YouTube channel, because I said, even in that, I'll wait and me and you will talk about it in length and probably put that up as well. And when I talked about it, the idea that I'm like, oh, I don't really want a year one story Joker stuff. And I get in, I'm like, why am I so interested in the future story, which then throws me off again that I don't want the year one. I want more of the future thing, because when you bring in. Duke but you Thomas also don't want powers, a future story in a year one. Well, exactly. It throws everything off. But I think that what is happening, especially as this begins and you end up having Batman kind of explaining and a weird take of, yeah, this is the same material, this pill. It's the same material as the Red Hood war when we first met. And I think it involves him where. He does some, you know, scientician stuff with the Vatican. Scientician like, stuff. We're going to end up in the future, him explaining how the past worked out combined with what he was told by the I Joker agree. in the jail cell. So I get it, but it throws me off because I want more of this future story that seems very interesting, especially because we don't get any Duke Thomas. I guarantee you that there is a large bunch of readers who are like, who's this Duke guy? Because we really <laughs> haven't had him for a long time. I mean, yeah, he'll pop up and things and he'll be mentioned and whatnot, but not really centered in a story. It, it reminds me of how you would think of Wallace West, but we've had Wallace. He is, and he's in the Speed Force book right now. Not great, but he's there. Duke just gets lost. He gets left behind sure constantly does. that I think he's, and so when you see him pop up, Part of me loved one. Well, all of me loves it. Me and you like Duke. We want to see more of his power set. We want to see more. Even the idea that, that we're tying into the zero hour story that Scott Snyder put out, which was Duke Thomas's like you know first introduction to Batman. Yeah, yeah, the zero year. You, you got zero yeah. hour on the mind. Did I say hour? I I, I knew I was going to do that. We have, and that's what I like about it. But as I said in my review, and I think Gabe said it. Sus Gabe. He said it on his written <laughs> review. The thing is. In my mind, you do a year one story to get people to jump on your book. You know, oh, my God, a year one Joker. That's cool. Let me get involved. There's so many things in this that seem like they're prerequisite to actually know what's happening or get what's happening in the story that it doesn't feel that way. And I agree with you. You have too much. It almost feels like an Emerald Knight that we have dealing with. Or I'm sorry, Emerald Knight War Journal for Green Lantern because there's so much homework to try to get into the story. Now you have to say, okay, you got to read Zero Year, which is weird because even when we have the idea of like, you know, you have that classic, you know, killing joke look of the Joker coming out of the vat of acid and this, like telling the original origin story of the Joker being the comedian version of himself, which I love. 
And then it's like, okay, we can take that as well as combine the zero year and what Bruce has been doing in the multiverse with Darwin and uh, like the red mask of that Batman, the world without a Batman, who then goes throughout the multiverse making jokers again, can never be a joker himself. And I'm like, you're doing too much, especially because you're adding the zero year aspect. Because when you go back and read Batman Zero Year, the Joker in that, the Red Hood, he has an entire organization of Red Hoods. He just happens to be Red Hood 1. You have Red Hood 525 or this numbered people, almost like they're Adventure Brothers freaking just henchman character exactly. going on. Yeah. But when you have this, it's the idea when the Joker becomes the Joker, he's like, you know, having these problems. He's narrating to himself the idea of being af- afraid. And even the idea of Batman is it's a fearful thought for him. And I'm like, you go back and read Zero Year, that guy didn't fear anything. He loved the idea of this Batman, this vigilante that was keeping him on his toes. He didn't even get dropped in the vat of His ass felt like he jumped in that vat of acid and smiled the entire way down. He was a criminal mastermind who was more of a, like, you know, agent of chaos to a degree who was, like, so far removed from what you'd have in Alan Moore's killing joke, just the, the know-nothing dupe who was just, like, made to be the, the Red Hood to be, like, this whole thing, the idea of the Red Hood. You have all of these things merging, but they don't fit together properly because you are merging all these different aspects of the character that don't jive. And you're merging those together. We're not done because then you actually have to almost forget if you read the three Jokers because that's going to be involved totally in a new retelling. That. You have to forget that. So you have to learn some things, forget others. And then not only that, Eric, it's almost like I'm selling like sham wow. Don't act yet because you also at points are going to have to have read but wait, the, there's more. the Batman the Night because we end yeah. up getting there's, there's so much but like I said it's one thing to and in this you also have little wink winks you have what looks like it's art that could have been from the Arkham Asylum book right but yeah. you don't need to have read that to just that's kind of a neat little thing of if you have you're like oh that's cool like you said you get killing joke deal but it's a little more than just that and then when you start adding all these things and it's add this, subtract that, do that, you even have a feel at a point with with Gordon more of a Batman year one coming out of that and how he's yeah. been trying to. Or even, or even zero year for how he was. So, it, you know, all those. And while usually what I'll say with some of these things is. Because and, well, that's the thing, too. On top of the idea of the Zero Year, which had different stories going on, because you started out with the Red Hood stuff to go into Savage City with the Riddlers first, you know, take over the city where everything became the Savage Land of Gotham, essentially, where he took over for a long-ass time. I, I want to say a year, but I don't even remember how long it was. It was a long time that seemed like the Riddler had a stranglehold on the city. But you have all of that going on on top of the idea of who Gordon is now with the position he has in the police department, how people see him working with the vigilante, who he believes saved the damn city and like everybody else didn't do shit. So they hate him for this, but you have to read all of that too to get the idea of who this Gordon is and how people see him as well. And it's hard to separate yourself from things that you have read. You know what I mean? But what you usually get with these things, and we say it a lot, like, oh, listen, you read this story. And, and you can enjoy it. But if you knew the other things, ooh, it gets so much better. This is more than that. This feels more than just, oh, you'll like it more. If There are things that are just thrown at you with names that you would not know. And it almost feel like they're there to, oh, I better look that up and I better do that. It just feels like there's so much. And that's the problem with a story like this. And why I brought up Batman even at the beginning. Because obviously when you get a Joker story like this, you're going to have to have Batman. But that intersects with all of these other Batman stories. And we're at a point when you go back and try to tell this new story, there's so many other things that you have to be involved with. And it's just like, why? And a lot of people, when they talk about this, is just why? Why is this story even here? Besides the point of 
it being, you know, another road bump, but it's a road bump, speed bump, like a Night Terrors <laughs> with a K, like a Gotham, like this story of Chip Zdarsky, Zoran R., all that, it just keeps getting meandered and stalled, and this, and this time it seems like it's him doing it. We could blame and other people on the And at least this feels like office. it will tie into what Joker knows during the Zero and R stuff from our previous story arc in Chip Zdarsky's Batman run and how he knows what he does. So we're going to get in now with the idea of like people who train Batman as well, at least one specifically. But even the idea where you go back, because Batman right away when he sees this pill that he breaks open that looks like two Red Hood helmets, right? Why is there two, not three? And he's like, years ago, I confirmed that Red Mask, the, you know, the Joker who never became the Joker from that multiversal world without a Batman. Years ago, I confirmed that the Red Mask inadvertently created triplicates of the Joker. And I'm like, the hell you say? Because I know that Chips <laughs> and Darcy wants to redo the three Joker story in his own way in continuity, even though I still consider the old one in continuity. But that's that's not for this. Now, I went back as well to go read the final issue of that story arc that Chips and Darcy wrote, wrote. And um, in that, I don't know if you or I or anybody else really got the idea because – when the Joker became the Joker and that through Red Mask intervention of like going through the mind and multiverse of people and influencing Jokers to become that, there was a panel on there where there were three Jokers. But the way it was, I assumed, and I still like even looking at that, I'm like, that it was just the progression of the Joker no, walking up the hill No, we talked about it because he was walking Didn't away. We? Yeah, we said that. We said, oh, this is weird. And actually, we questioned it because a lot of times with art, to show somebody in motion, you will show yeah. But we said that's weird. There's three. That's odd. And that's exactly what it is. But I don't understand how Red Mask, through his machinations of doing things throughout the multiverse, somehow triplicated the Joker of our Earth Zero. And when we talked about it, if I remember right, it was like something like we thought it was a wink, wink. Oh, that's a wink, wink. They're jokers. But instead, Chip Zdarsky has said that DC and himself they want to redo the three. It's such a weird thing to want to redo. I just don't get it. Even the idea where you have it brought back up here, where you see the continuation of that scene where you have three Jokers after they crawl out of the vat of acid and they're sitting there losing their damn mind, ha 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 ing it up and stuff like that. It looks because of this brief moment we get to see it that one of the Jokers kills the other two. So like, like, is there, are they going to pop back up? Like he didn't kill these other two. Why are we doing three Joker stuff where it seems like, oh yeah, here's three Jokers. Oh yeah. He murdered them. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Or did he then get him in the multiverse? Is it some schizophrenic thing of the mind, like Zurinar? I don't know how they're well, playing even, it. I've I've read sites talking about this to think that they're just you know other Red Hood like soldiers that were Jokerized as well as Red Hood one. So I don't even know if anybody knows what's going on in this whole thing, or the, even the idea of the continuation of the three Jokers being actually just this version of the Joker triplicated, as uh, Chips and Arthur says. But the idea, though, that we start out in the future, we see that broken pillar that looks like two red hoods. I can at least say that that, at least, because Batman's confused, like, why not three? Why only two? It looks like this Joker year one story will be the Joker getting into power while his Red Hood gang moved on after his supposed death, where you have Red Hood number two, who's now the leader of the gang, who wants to kill the former leader. So you're going to have that almost Joker war aspect, or at least a Red Hood war between these two leadership factions of the gang that's still going on. Well, that that really tells me that I should have had that Joker War song, Eric. Now you're getting me upset. But when you see that thing with the pill, I don't know why, but when I'm reading this, and this is, it's the first page. So I'm not yeah. really fully into what's happening or where, and that part isn't even in a zero-year-esque thing. This is a future thing, but it did remind me of that Scott Snyder crap when we'd have like a, a fly's eye that we would see at points or like these weird. You know, I'm telling you, I went back and reread a lot of stuff. I had to deal with that. I'm skipping through it just to get the Red Hood that, stuff. That's what that reminded me of where I'm like, oh, and then I thought it's a shame because maybe you could get 
you know, not Scott Snyder involved, obviously, but maybe you could add Greg Capullo do a, a couple things in this because it ties back to that stuff, but they sure. didn't. But you have art. I thought the art was pretty good. The problem is, I think that this issue is more confusing than anything else. I think that most people, especially if you haven't read all those things, we have, but yet I read this and I just, I can't get my footing. Some of these scenes progress too quickly. They end up where I have to sit there. And when I have to sit there and think, okay, where are we in this? Oh, what happened? You just get thrown out of the issue. So at the end of this, I really was more confused than anything. Uh, But I did like the idea of this future joker apocalypse type deal with duke but the stuff from the year one and then i say normally i don't really love the idea of a joker year one i I keep saying that i also don't know that i like that he was trained by the same people who like that starts to be more than just the only thing i agree the thing the whole thing about this by the end of this issue where dr daniel captio shows up who's one of the people that trained batman who's who's a doctor who works on reshaping the mind and controlling it which allows you not to feel pain like making sure that you don't your your mind is not sensing the pain that it's doing so you can keep moving on i still get the idea i think we even talked about in batman night that this doctor could be the one because of his you know techniques of working through the mind and stuff like that and reshaping it is the one that allowed bruce wayne to create the zura and our you know like a personality in case his mind was ever taken over so i can see that aspect tying into what chips and is doing his other like story right now that's you know and and i think that chip sadarsky's trying to be very clever with a lot of these things he's not trying to reveal like like i said you might find out three jokers ends up being three separate personalities of the joker now to tie in with the zornar failsafe something like that so you have like the idea where he has his red hood personality the joker personality and his zornar joker personality possibly it might be that and whether or not that works out with the i don't know that doesn't interest me that much but it could but it's weird because this book, at the same time, Chip Zdarsky is doing a story over at Marvel. He's doing The Avengers Twilight. And I felt the same way reading the first issue of that. Oh, my God, I don't know what the hell is going on. What does this mean? And I don't know why you start something like that. But as just a way to tie it in, I did like the second issue of that. It did start to open things. And I hope that that's the same here. I want to like this. I want to be convinced beyond what i thought coming in we don't need this to show me why you do need it but i don't see it here it just feels like just ideas thrown at you of like hey this would be cool hey this would be neat and then also homages to things like i said like a even killing joke or arkham Mm -hmm. asylum things like that and it just even that with the art changing though you just have two artists but they have that changed look it just throws me off it just throws me off but when you start off with that play of well, did the Joker just kill the other two? What does that mean? What's going on? And then we that's do- ambiguous, but I have to assume that right now because that's what it seems like. Then we get into the proper deal, and okay, it's okay. I mean, you end up having the Joker. He runs up to a lady, you know, at the house, and like, hey, Sally, I know, you know, you got to believe me. I didn't mean to do this, and runs off, and they're like, which is crazy because right now he's he's crazed after his whole experience, and I really wish they actually would have had him experience the uh the red mask looking at him through like the multiversal doorway through a pond or something like that to really let you know that it's tied into that previous story and he this is why his mind is broken because of this whole aspect that made him because of this multiversal version of himself but you don't even have that here and even when you are tying in so heavily to zero hour where it's completely like zero year 
keeps saying God damn it. <laughs> zero, zero year, but that's a completely different kind of pre-Joker Joker, the Red Hood, than anything you've seen before. And when he runs by talking about Sally, he then becomes the comedian from Alan Moore's Killing Joke, which is a completely different version of that character. And I don't know what to do because that guy just seemed in the zero, uh, zero year seemed like a psychopath who was always in the charge and knew exactly what to do and the kind of chaos that he wanted to like throw out there. But, you know, the Alan Moore stuff, the guy was just a, like a failed comedian dupe who did what he did because he thought his wife and child were dead. And it's completely just a mishmash of ideas thrown together where I'm just like, is this an idea where you were this guy, but then this other personality took over the comedian? So that's the three Joker aspect, too. And that that's where I'm getting it. it. And know. that's where I'm getting this narration where he's like, no where he's jokes, fighting no himself. Jokes. Come on, stop it. Stop it. That might be. He puts on the flesh tone like, you know, a flesh tone, but like the Caucasian like um Makeup almost like J- uh, Jack Napier did in the Batman or it's 89 like movie. Jombie's hands, right? Jombie. Yeah, right. kind of like that. <laughs> oh, Caucasian. But no, when you have this and he looks in the mirror, it's like, there you are. You can see the Red Hood persona that he might have had from Zero Year itself, but you don't know because the first thing he does is go to a bar, make some jokes to a guy who want to kick his ass, and then he starts killing people, but almost out of self defense, not in the, cr- the crazed kind of like, you know, I'm doing this on purpose kind of a way, which only gets the attention of Dr. Capio. And that's the only thing it really seems, but I don't know who the character is through any of the interactions that we're dealing with in here. Even when he goes off for six months and like, you know, just lives in an apartment for people he killed growing a green freaking beard and just hanging out yeah. deciding what he's going to do next. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do with this first issue of the zero year and Joker year one, but uh, it's just, is that the concept or is it just the mishmash of ideas that aren't playing together? I don't know. And that's where, and this is just a couple issues long. And so when you get it, I just get the idea. I don't know why you start with this play. He must think that he has this killer story. Oh my God, I'm going to blow people's minds. So let's confuse the shit out of them to start with. And then afterwards it makes it, but the first impressions are so important in things like this. And people who, you know, unlike me and you, me and you are here for the long haul. We have liked different parts of the Chip Zdarsky run, but there's never a time where we'll stop reading and reviewing it here on the podcast. It's the big book. But there are a lot of people that I hear and they tell me that they've had enough. And each time you stop something like this to go do something else, it, it, it is a jumping off point. But when you start confusing people, and I think that in my mind, I still think that people are a little less inclined to want a Joker year one story than to actually want it. And when you get into this, and most people's you know, whole reaction is, I don't understand what's going on and why we're doing this. That's not good. That's not a way. We thought that the Joker year one was just, oh, they're going to throw the Joker in to try to get the sales up. But this seems like it's pulling against that by, hey, by the way, you have to know all of these things to go in and enjoy this. And even if you do, you still might not understand it because it's so confusing. It may work out, but is, is it going to be too late? I do think that 100% it is of the mind which then will get people upset. Well, the Mobius chair was the one who spelled it. I think all of that. People were discussing this in the Slack. Three Jokers started with the Mobius chair in the at the end yeah. of Dark Side War, telling Batman, you know, hey, Mobius chair, what's the Joker's real name? What's his, which one? There are There's three, three. Oh, no. That doesn't really work with three things of a multi-personality so that's probably just I agree. thrown out but even the idea because even right there like here's red mask and for some reason what he was doing triplicated the joker i'm like is that just it then did he just triplicated for no reason how's that gonna tie into any kind of story going forward but you got you know i don't know what would you call this castaway joker sitting there in that <laughs> house he's a crazy look and then like you said when you get the makeup to kind of look different like oh there you are again this is all of the mind 
And when he's in that bar and he can't help himself from starting a fight, he is trying to not start the fight, but he can't help it. He's not fully. I so- do love his joke in this. The idea that this guy is talking in this bar and he's like, he's just going on and on. I know a great place. It's called On and On Anon. And like, I'm like, that's actually pretty good. I like that. On and on and on. I think it works better in, in writing than saying it out loud, but it is kind of cool. It's, it's, it's good. So I actually thought the play was, oh, failed comedian, because that was bullshit, but it, it works. But you, you also go with that continuing deal of Gordon, you know, liking the best. I don't know that we actually need that in this story. Like, there's a lot of stuff that he wants to show you to kind of tie it into everything else. And, hey, look, this is where... Gordon was. Well, even and the idea is- of like, okay, we have an interim commissioner now that Loeb's gone in McLeod, and how's that going to act with it? Like, before the idea of the Red Hood gang, you had all of these different people in different parts of the city, like politics, like high position jobs, even in the police department. Members of the police were part of the Red Hood gang. Seems like maybe the idea is that we still have this going on in the background, but even after the Joker kills those people in the bar, we have a guy called 22 who was a part of the gang who recognizes his former leader, the boss. And even with that, though, this guy just kind of seems like a schlub and wouldn't be a, a high-ranking number like a 22, but the whole point was you keep your mask on. We don't do names or faces. That's why you're a number, so I don't know why anybody recognizes anybody when the whole yeah, point of us is you don't know talk about Fight Club. He's like, you don't talk about Fight Club, and Again, though, he's putting this there because he wants to show that something in there is also not letting the crazy, wacky Joker kill this guy saying, oh, no, no, he's a friend. Don't, you know, don't don't go crazy. Don't tell Joker. It's okay, But like you said, I don't think and him actually even recognizing him anyway throws me off because I think the Joker would be nobody. Because he's that not would acting. It's that whole thing is you saw his chin. Maybe he's got that pointy ass chin that's just recognizable. But even with a smeared, like Caucasian make up face, like. And he's not acting like the Joker was or the Red Hood was in Zero Hour. So here's the, like six months later for something like, hey, boss, is that you? Yeah. And then the Joker says, hey, 22. Kevin, I'm like, it's fuzzy as a glorified Kevin. Both ways, it feels weird. But to show that, okay, Joker has this guy, 22, they're going to go. But also the gang has progressed. There's a new leader, even says, number yeah. Number two. Yeah, number two. And he's like, he is we got to kill the old boss now that he's come back from the dead. Yeah. And, and. Not that it is, but I'm really like, okay, this is kind of getting kind of like Rosenberg deal with the the foe jump. This is foe leader, real leader. Oh, we got to kill him. I'm like, I don't know if I'm interested in this. I don't know that I really care about this whole thing. It just feels weird. You don't weird, care about the Red Hood War? No, I don't care about the Red Hood gang. <laughs> Everybody war. get on the floor. Everybody, it's the Red Hood War. <laughs> They're going to end up, well, we're going to do this job and. But we're going to do it like the Red, you know, gang. But we got to kill Joker because he's back because he gets word of this. And I think it's all just too convoluted and and getting away from what we kind of want to have explained. But we'll see because you end well, up even in the background, gang. even when you actually have Batman going on, all he's doing right now is cleaning up the power vacuum left behind from when the Red Hood went down and you look know, Red Hood one at least. And you still have that gang going on, but you have offshoots going on like the Black Hood gang, the Gray Ghost, stuff Red like that that he's trying to clean up. Yeah. He's got the Red Mask, which is crazy even because that's a callback to that multiversal world, who, the, the man who created the Joker. So it's weird as well. But it, it, it goes because, you know, you go from Red Hood to Red Mask. I get it. Yeah. Well, then, jump. And you have Gordon, and that's where this, you know, gang gets. And even the black, the black hood, like you know, mass. It's just they took the red hood mask they had when they were part of the gang <laughs> and painted them black yeah, or dyed them black. Them okay, black. let's go. All right, I guess it works. But when Batman does bring them down from this robbery, Gordon, who has been chastised for, you know, almost like working with a vigilante, yeah, not even working. They're making it seem like, man, you're Crazy in love him. with him. Oh my God, you better redo this report that happened at Ace Chemicals. Well, and they, yeah, and then you get this other side deal of like, 
hey, you don't poke at a problem like Gordon. You solve it. You know what I mean? Wink, wink. I wanted the guy to be like, what do you mean, chief? You know, get rid of him. What do you mean? Kill him. I don't know. I don't understand. He's a midnight golfer. Keep going. (laughs) He likes to drink his drinks without ice. He owns a paperclip factory. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's what you mean. But yeah, you even have that and that again. That feels like what we always get in these type of stories. That was big in Batman Year One. They wanted to bring him down. He was that guy. And and Zero Year. So you're doing that. But is that that interesting to then have Gordon just there so he could say, the Joker's dead, right? Joker's dead, right, Batman? Uh, Maybe. Never found the body. Yeah, never found the body and said that he even looked at the chemical and there should have been something left, bones, whatever, and there wasn't. Uh, so maybe he is out there and Gordon's just like, well, that kind of sucks. <laughs> like, that wasn't <laughs> something that I knew about. Well, we then continue to see 22 and Joker walk around. 22 wants to get some crazy pizza just so he could be separated for Joker to see Batman. Thinks he's after him. He's not. He wouldn't even recognize him at this point. And Joker runs away. He's he's afraid. He's, a, he's, he's, he's a scared. scared. He's a scared. Eric, I said it in my mind while I was reading it. I'm like, and that is just again. Okay, I get it. That's kind of neat. No, it's not because I'm telling you, it, it doesn't act like that. Because even when he walks off to a pond and he looks into those reflection, and it, I I can see the idea that maybe this was the Red Hood one character that he was before the acid drops. Talking about like I'm I'm afraid of what we're gonna do and stuff like that. And the Joker starts strangling his reflection in the pond. But no point anything in Zero Year that I looked at did I ever think that this guy was afraid of Batman or anything. Because even his his own leap into the acid that was his own doing almost in, to spite the Batman. So I, this idea of being scared feels so weird. Maybe the uh, scared part is this other angle, another persona that came about afterwards after he was cast away. I don't know. Honestly, I think it's just there to be the idea that we can have uh, Dr. Katia come in and say like, hey, yeah. look, if, if you're afraid, boy, you can't actually do anything with the chaos. You ain't an agent of chaos at all if you were scared. But I can teach you. I trained the Batman. I can teach you not to be scared. And that's why the Batman was trained. It was near the end of the training. Bruce went to him and he said, I'll teach and you. Falling out. And the big play was he said, You can't strike fear if you're fearful yourself. That was this big play. I got to teach you to be cold. I got to teach you not feelings. It wasn't for Bruce. He even said at the very beginning, I don't think this is for me, but I'll kind of do it. And they had a falling out. I just like, I I swear, like if you ever fight with your brother or whatever, when the Joker goes to strangle him, it's like that play where you like hide your neck by like crunching the deal because Joker's trying to strangle him and can't do anything. He's trying desperately and he's like, hey, I'll train you. And I, I just the idea just on paper of oh the Joker was trained by the same it doesn't work for me it just doesn't work it feels too it it just feels too like established or too much of a a thing there I, I can to understand that but I me. can also get the idea through the reimagining of the people who trained Batman through Chip Zdarsky's Batman the Night that with the falling out they had back then I can see that him taking it personally and wanting to create a real like you know protege to his kind of teaching and stuff like that to get back at the man who like you know like betrayed but him. at this point to recognize that it would be this guy who's afraid no he was the red like you have to jump to a lot of conclusions that he has come up with to do this but I guess it works because he but becomes again, a joker. At, this man will tell you, and like people will verify, he is like, you know, technically, <laughs> there's a lot of people that can claim this, but through what we're told through this, he is the <laughs> smartest man in the world. So yeah. maybe he sees something more than the rest of us would. Is it, is it me? As, a design. As, as this happened, and I first saw him, I, I didn't even think right. I thought it was the help. 
I was like, oh, we're going to have this bullshit. And I'm like, oh, thank God it's at least something from Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> like, here we go. Uh, but yeah, it just, I don't know. It, again, that's the part. And all this is the year one stuff that I don't really love or didn't think I wanted. But the little teeny bits of the, hey, and this is the future story where you have really little cool. wink winks, Barbara Gordon is the commissioner of Batman Beyond type deal. That's cool. You end up having this, like, what looks like a vampire, but it's because of Duke. He has got all the light. He's absorbing it. And with that, the Joker in his last deal seems to have created this whole zombie well, Joker I don't know if he's apocalypse. absorbing or spreading darkness, because if you remember before that one character with the League of Assassins, Ishmael, gave him darkness powers as well as light powers. He says, and his powers are absorbing all the light. That's okay. why I just go by I, what I they like said. I like to imagine a shroud of darkness using that aspect yeah. of the power. Because when you I do get Duke kind Thomas of after same. the outsider story, it's like, they always just talk about his light powers and like, bring up the darkness and power. And that's why I thought maybe the darkness power is kind of that. Now, we, we said they didn't really explain it fully. So if he's, instead of the light, he's absorbing all the light. That's darkness. I, I sure. thought it was kind of cool. And I, I thought, Boy, that could have been a really cool, even like future Elseworlds, even if it's not Elseworlds. You could have told a future story. That's it could have been a cool, like just a story that comes up in our future at some point or another in the next year or so. It could have been a really cool tale, even though we're all kind of sick of the joke at this point. And you say that and you're completely correct. I hate to say it. Eric. I don't like to say that you're correct because this doesn't have to be the far future. It could just be now. It could be the next two are like all of a sudden Duke's powers go wonky. And how cool of a thing to have where Duke all of a sudden becomes that big thing because his powers go wonky because he's infected by the Joker. The Joker goes after him because it's so funny to him, the idea that Duke has to deal with the idea that his parents were Jokerized, he could never do it, and that what he does to cause the city, he Jokerizes Duke and uses his powers against the city, like in spite of Batman as well, to really get Batman's ire up. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize, because I guess Zach told me in Urban Legends they did end up curing uh, oh, Duke's parents. Yes, but... They seem to have forgotten about the father. And in these screenshots he sent me, the mother looks like she's single and ready to mingle. She's hitting on everybody. I'm like, what happened to the dad? I mean, Did they crap. ever discuss her metagene powers? Because I, she was a big part of the whole thing going into the metal I, back in, like, you know, death metal. I don't or just know, metal, I but I doubt it. <laughs> I fully doubt they're doing that. I think they just thought we kind of got him. We got to get him unjokerized. Finally, Wasn't she always now, hanging out with the immortal man before yeah, she, she was out, like, you know, family and they're crazy. It was part of the war of the immortals that you were waiting for. Now, finally, they can go to the fat burger, jokerize their fries, and I won't be mad. Right. I won't be mad anymore. <laughs> the idea that yes, Duke, Duke was going to eat jokerized fries while his parents were jokerized. It's a complete nonsense with Top King. But back to this at the end, <laughs> you finish with this like a pot. I'm like. Why can't, why can't we do more of that? Like, that seems pretty cool. Seriously. And that's the weirdest thing. It's like a real Joker endgame, even though we had the endgame before. It, it's Yeah, it is. It's like Joker the end. They have a bunch of those <laughs> at Marvel. Like, you could do that. And why is that in a year one story? But why is that what I want? I'm like, ah, oh, this is blowing my mind here. But overall, I was just confused. Confused of why we have it. Confused of some of the concepts in there. But when we're talking, I'm kind of making a little more headway with it but i still it's not for me but there's I'm, aspects I'm waiting to it that i'm intrigued yeah, to I'm intrigued. But it's, a, it's a mess overall in all the concepts that it's throwing together and its presentation of it i'm going to a six out of ten in this but i could go down to a 5.5 but i am having more fun just discussing these other angles but on top of that this could all just be bullshit that you and i are just like you know trying to figure stuff out well, i'll also tell you this is one of those issues that unfortunately the more i read the less i like it's not it's it, yeah me and you talking has opened up my mind a little free your mind but it's still <laughs> like 
I don't know about this. I really don't know. It's like, and I tried to use this quote in my video, I believe, or something. It's like when Leonardo, like, you got my attention, but you don't have my interest. Is that what he says, Eric? It's like that. It does have, I'm intrigued, but am I really that interested? It's weird. It's weird. Six out of ten as well. But we'll move on. To the next book And that's a, that's a very optimistic 6 out of 10 Where maybe next issue will bring stuff together And thankfully it's only next week And and yeah, it's next week we'll be talking about it again it's just, I just worry because That first issue with something like this That most people might think Well, I can skip it anyway You don't hit that first issue And it might, a lot of people might bail And that's not good But what are we talking about next, Eric? Shazam! Number 8, written by Mark Wade With art by Goran Suzuka Ivan Savorsina and Troy Pateri. So, yeah, we're still dealing with invading space dinosaurs. And just the idea that I'm telling you, this whole thing with the gods and champions that give Billy his power. I hated that first dark and the idea how they like commandeered his body just to do bullshit. But like even when we have the house wrecked up by Captain Marvel here and Black Adam, the house that the family needs to sell so they can pay off the rest of the house that they have already bought. It seems like weird. I don't know. Even the concept's weird of that whole thing. But now that the house is broken, we have more problems because without a proper house to raise a family, then they're going to go, all the kids are going to go back into the foster system because they can't be taken care of anymore. So we have to do that. And everything in this issue then relies on the idea outside of space dinosaurs. We're just dealing with the house part of this aspect of the story I'm talking about. It's like, I'm going to go to Zeus, who's just hanging out in the Rock of Eternity. I'm going to ask him to grant me a wish because Zeus, but he ain't going to grant me my wish until Black Adam comes in and says, hey, guy, we're both kings. We got to do kingly stuff like this sometimes. Oh, hey, Zeus, he, he granted my wish and brought me back my house. And you know what? He made it a little bit bigger, too. I just want the idea at this point where Black Adam gets in there, talks about the idea they're both kings. I want Zeus to smite him down. How dare you compare your freaking self to me? This is ridiculous. But no, you don't get that. They just, hey, yeah, we should do some good stuff for the Billy Batsons. And I'm like... Why are we why are we just making this book a joke? Because it's a joke. It has been. People did like the fun aspect. You don't like fun, Eric. You're the fun miser. But the idea of having fun, this is like it happens too much a lot. This is and again, people people will say, Well, I like that. But the idea of like Kite Man. Oh, you have Kite mm-hmm. Man, hell yeah, Tom King. Hell oh yeah. Because people laughed at it once, all of a sudden now we have arcs with that. It's too much. And the space dinosaurs. Fun for one issue, maybe a second issue, maybe down the Even line. Even the idea that you have the original space dinosaur, which I originally hated, but the idea that he stays in the Rock Eternity as a curator, almost like an Alfred, a, a, you know, a talking T-Rex Alfred for Billy Bats in the Rock, I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. Let's just leave him there. But when you have the ramifications of him staying behind where it's just more space dinosaurs coming down in the Starship Enterprise, shooting rockets that turn into paperwork all over the world, I'm like, I, I don't care about this. I, I <laughs> Cover the world in paper pamphlets to warn people that if they don't do what they say, they're going to throw more paper at them. And you're like, well, okay. And it's not funny anymore. It's actually eye-rolling to me. It's almost like, okay, you have no story at all. And this is just bad. And where I do think that this really kind of puts things in focus, especially with the reviewers, including Sus Gabe, the idea that people were really like, oh, man, this is the greatest. This is the greatest. This issue is no different in my mind than a lot of the others that we got before. It's the same reason why I don't like it as much. Suddenly, all the reviews just plummet and they're like, oh, we got. But it's all Dan Moore is not on art here. He's not yeah. on art. So that shows you and that the book takes a big hit. Yeah, and that it. shows you you weren't really that into the story. You just thought it looked great. What happens when not only Dan Mora's off, but 
you have Mark Wade leaving. Now, I'm not saying that Josie Campbell coming on might not have a better story, but people are already bailing now because of one little change because the book, it's paper thin. This book was, the story was kind of an illusion. In my mind, it's like you'd be a mind freak where all it takes is one little thing to snap you out of it and you realize, oh, this is bullshit because in this issue, you just get things thrown at you in a way of, Oh, Black Adam, he's going to go talk to Zeus. They're going to come together. They're going to make the thing. But none of that is hard hitting. None of it makes any sense while you have space dinosaurs arguing with each other. And I love the big play of this issue is to annoy the space dinosaurs to the point where. This is how we resolve our issues. Yeah, and so Darla, he's like, oh, Darla. All Darla just says is why. You could have had a tape recorder do that. The way that it was, I thought that they were going to show because she's very, very smart and she's very feisty and sassy. I thought it would be oh, more yeah. than just saying why. I thought you were going to get why? Now. Well, because of this. Why? Oh. That's just an annoying kid of any sort. Not, oh, well, I thought it was going to make sense. Like, But if you did that and that, that goes against this and you were going to kind of cross the streams and it was going to blow their mind. Almost like changing the binary code of a robot. Oh my God, it, it takes them down. But no, she just says, why? Why? She's annoying. Say, okay, you take your Mr. Dinosaur. We don't want this anymore. We're going to leave. Just take this child, insufferable child away from us. So I'm like, the world right. was saved no, no from space dinosaurs who need to why? do paperwork because a girl kept saying, why, why? To the point where they actually concede more than they have to. They don't have to give him the dinosaur. They just leave. No, take him. I'm surprised they're not paying the money. Let me pay for this. Hey, you want this? You want that? I thought they were going to fix the house. I thought it was good. But Zeus does. But then he also gives a wink, wink, and it doesn't make sense. I don't know if anybody has watched the movie Critters, okay? Oh, it's kind of a far reach at times. I love Critters. But at the end of that movie, back in the day, the, the space bounty hunters give them a little device to contact them. But also, when they find this thing, they hit the button, and their house that just blew up because the Critters blew it up from their spaceship, it just comes back together in reverse, like, you know, kind of like a uh, like motion deal to make a full house once again. So, like, oh, my God, every, the day is saved through no means. That was ridiculous back in the 80s and just a weird way to end the movie. This is even more ridiculous. Zeus just makes the house bigger, but also he makes everybody forget about the damage in the area. And it's even weirder because Billy Batson, in the body of the captain, goes to the neighbor. Mr. Whittle, sorry about all the commotion earlier. What commotion, Captain? I was home all day. Not a peep except, does the house look a little bit bigger? Why is Mr. Whittle okay with the captain just hanging out in the bats? I don't know. Batson, and he seems like, like it's like he knows. Like, it's so this, weird, this right? This is a normal thing for the captain just to hang yeah. out with his family, apparently. And every, I'm like, that is a weird thing, especially for the idea that Zeus, on top of what he's done, has decided to make everybody forget because Black Adam said, no, we should do some kingly stuff for the Billy Batsons because we're good guys, right? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, the, and it also Scott Grimes isn't in this issue like he wasn't Critters. So I like Critters more. <laughs> I love Scott Grimes. <laughs> so, yeah, like that threw me up to Terrence Mann, who played Ugg, the bounty hunter. He was Johnny Steele. When you ended up having the neighbor, like, it's so weird. You're playing that trope, like, you know, a sitcom trope. But why is he talking to the captain like that? Like, as if that's not, it's so weird. It's so weird that it's not Billy or oh, whatever. What are you talking about? The Vasquez family always has the Captain Marvel family around for some reason, I guess. Yeah. Even the idea of playing it like, oh, this is our house, but it seems slightly bigger. I guess Zeus likes us. Uh, okay, like, what, what's happening here? <laughs> like, nothing's happening. Even when Billy's like, hey, we could all live in the Rock of Eternity, I'm like, all right, at least that might give you some story, but that's just thrown in there. And then Black Adam, he's upset that he ruined the stuffed animal. He, that, that is, uh, you know, inhumane. 
He's a man of the people. His people usually, but just, he doesn't want to hurt a family. He just this dumb. whole first confrontation in this story, like this, the series right now between the captain and Black Adam, is just so lackluster overall. On top of the art not being Dan Moore, which is it's, it's a fine art, but it's just like you're used to Dan Moore. You think to yourself, man, this could have been amazing if I saw Dan Moore doing this. But even with that, if Dan Moore was doing this, there's not much to the story of their first confrontation in the series overall. And just shows Black Black Adam, he's not such a bad guy. But even when Billy confronts him in context, like you ever come back here and punch me in the face again, I will end you. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, uh, what I wanted to have oh, happen. Black Adam. I thought it would have been cool. I don't know how Black Adam himself does it, but I would like it where, you know, the house is fixed. Yeah, you go, and then Billy goes down the rocker attorney. He's like, hey, Zeus, thanks a lot for fixing the house. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm not fixing your house. And then you're left to think, I think Black Adam did it, but he'll never admit it. That would have been kind of cool, but. In this, we're, we're just talking about a house anyway. It's like when, so When Black ridiculous. Adam went to the Rock of Eternity to talk to Zeus, who built for, was just hanging out in the rock with Billy, who was asking for you help. Wanted a fight. When he says, I did not even just wanted a fight. I wanted Zeus to be so furious, the idea that Black Adam was putting him on the same like you know level as Zeus right there, that I want the War of the Gods once again. But as <laughs> Zeus kicks the entire Greek pantheon down on Black Adam's head, we have the champions and gods, or I think it might just be gods for Black Adams, who come to do his rescue, like Egyptian gods, and you have a war of the gods that way between the Marvels and the Black Adams. I'm like, that could have been really cool, but no, it's just no fuss, no muss. You Move know on. that that's not this type of book, but that would be cool. And then the weird play is you, you almost end up, because you had that, hey, the gods were taking control of the cap. Like, you didn't like that. I didn't love it either. The idea of, we want to show the people what the gods are really like. So then Billy tries to use that like oh if you fix our house and take care of all this they'll everybody will love tell people how great zeus was but then he also made people forget about yeah, it nobody so knows there's it. no reason to tell anybody that zeus fixed their house well from what it was Doesn't fine talking about crazy i can imagine that where billy's like oh no no it, it was zeus so like what are you talking about your house was never wrecked it looks a little bigger now but it's not oh, oh never mind like nothing is it's so it's just again though the idea that a lot of it hinges on space dinosaurs it's it's issue eight We've gone on too long with this. We, it just is. A, it's it's a joke, and it's not funny anymore. It just ends up being okay. What ridiculousness filler. are we going to get here? It's all filler, and it's going to be a change of creative team. And maybe that's for the best. Well, yeah, and you're, maybe maybe Josie Campbell can come in and do something. But I just think that people are already bailing because of what you're setting up here it's like a lead-in to a tv show the lead-in isn't going to be good for josie campbell maybe it's a strategic play too because a lot of people are just really against mark wade right now so maybe they are fans of the shazam title but stop reading because of their own personal preferences with mark wade right now but if josie campbell comes in they're like okay now i can get off my high horse and read it again okay now we'll, we'll go into this a little i don't want to go you have a fight going on one side says, oh, my God, I hate Mark Wade. Now I'm not going to read it. Those are not the people who are going to jump on a Josie Campbell book. They don't like her either. So it doesn't work that way. And I've seen them yell about Aww. because of her <laughs> Mary Marvel shit they were mad about. So it doesn't work. And we know we'll get more Mary Marvel, well, which we some. would like. But, yeah, I, again, I think that it's more of uh, Mary Marvel stuff. No, uh, me and you liked it enough. You liked it more than me. But still, I think that this is when we talked about, you know, other things where, oh, we have. James Tynan on a Joker. Are they going to continue it or are they just going to stop it? Then they stopped it. I think that this might be something that should stop. Then it's, I don't think it's going to do I will well. tell you this, though. Zeus is a bit of a dick still, even though he does like remake the like the Vasquez home. Makes it even a little bigger, though. Makes everybody forget. It seems that in his, you know, godlike power to do this, he done left a three eyed creeper in the freaking kitchen cabinet that's going to plague our family in the next issue. Yeah, the creeper. 
I'm like, what? Like, it doesn't even look, I don't know. When you have that creeper deal, it doesn't look right. But, uh, and again, and we could get the actual creeper show up, the character, but I just took it as this monster in the cabinet might be called the creeper as well. But the creeper might show up. Who knows? The creeper, the way that they put it, it looks like that font. So it just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why the three-eyed deal, but yeah, at least it's the not the- three-eyed monster in the cabinet, At though. least it's not the diddler. That's all I say, Eric. I don't, I don't like the diddler. Uh, and the, the best part of this is, is that that last scene that means nothing, the second epilogue, where you have Pedro yell like, I kind of like that because the characters, they, they're kind of in character, but they're not even in the room. Other than that, this is kind of nonsense. What would you give it? I would give this a 5 out of 10. The art is fine throughout. It's just not Dan Morrow, which is always going to be a problem. But again, I don't want to hold the artist accountable for that because he's still doing some good art overall. But like the story is just so paper thin and all the jokes are just random, like not randomly. They're overused from previous issues. They're not fun anymore. They weren't fun to begin with. And every cool aspect to this book that you could have taken, you decided to take the easy way out and not do anything with it at all. Yeah, that's the problem. It's the easy way out in a weird turn of events of why why out of characters why? you know why i'm like that's not good but yeah i'm a five out of ten as well just a regular five and the art's okay it's just not it's not damn mora but that's yeah you know not their fault so with that not two great books right there we have two more i i hear they're even better but we'll see I'm telling we you, at least see. with the Joker Year One story that we just talked about before this, there was stuff to really talk about, hypothesize about where this could be going, what they'd be doing. That felt like there was something at least of interest, even though we're not right, like okay with the way the story is being told right now, and we think that other aspects would be cooler instead of having a Joker Year One. But at least it had something that you're like, okay, let's just get on this to maybe think this through. What are you going to think through with Shazam? What are you going to think through at all? Again, this I keep saying this is where I was worried when you had Wade and Mora jumping on this book, and I said we don't need just goofy fun like we have in you know the batman superman world's finest where okay we're just gonna have fun little silver age deal you need something with substance that and, even feels more substance yeah this. i know and you get to have how did i even know that and so when you get that joker you're one while i don't love the idea it could end up being very important too so Good. you can you know it keeps your interest that way this and even tying into what Cesarski's doing in his regular batman run before it was interrupted by joker year one dealing with the idea of what the joker knows or this that and the other thing and like this is setting up a plot point so you can say hey this is why we're doing this now let's move forward with all the information given to you in a way that feels like it makes sense at least you know what i can say like i want to say i want to compare it to nightwing but I like Nightwing more. I, I think Nightwing's doing more, even though we say nothing happens every issue. This thing's happened, but they, they're nothing. I, I just don't get it. And the thing is, stuff that we talk about might be happening. We might be wrong. We just might be looking at it at a completely wrong direction. I'm just saying the idea, like, you, you said it earlier, and I think that it really does epitomize this whole entire series. Everything that happens, happens in a lesser way. Like, you end up, oh, man. The Captain Shazam versus Captain or a uh, Black Adam. Black Adam. Man, this yeah. is a, oh, and then it's not like that's no. that's <laughs> the big that's the huge thing that this book should be doing. This is the stuff that you hope the book shows. Oh my God, the Captain versus Black Adam. Oh, <laughs> and, hey, but what about the oh Space Down? Oh, the Rock of Eternity. Oh, everything just goes down the uh. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the beginning, like, the, the beginning But we part, got some extra wisdom of Solomon. That first panel with, with the captain looks great. It looks great. But as you go through, I think the problem is there might be a, maybe rushed a little because some of the panels just don't seem finished. But it, overall, that's pretty good. It's just not that yeah. But, yeah, we'll, we'll go off. We have mail now. We'll go do a little bit All of right. mail. 
And we do have two more books to end everything after that, so we'll be back in a moment. Hey, everybody. Do you like eating but don't have time to cook tasty, nutritious meals for you and your family? Well, why don't you let Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, do almost all the work for you? Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up. I mean, who has time for all that when you just want to eat? So get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered right to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And you can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, protein-plus, and more. And if you're just like me, you just try them all. Plus, Factor isn't just for dinner. Count on extra convenience any time of the day with an assortment of over 55 add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Now, with all that aside, Factor sent me a bunch of meals, and they had smoothies, protein drinks, all of this for me to try, and... They were pretty good. Head to factormeals.com slash weird science fifty and use code weird science fifty to get fifty percent off of factor right now. That's code weird science fifty at factormeals.com slash weird science fifty to get fifty percent off. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to just click and go. Seriously, try it out. I ended up probably eating some of the best meals I've had in quite some time. And it's no joke, they are ready in two minutes, and they are ready to go and taste awesome. So check that out. Thanks a lot, everybody, and back to the show. It is time for the mail, Eric, and in synergy, that there is Scott Grimes. So everybody... Give a little, critters. A, a little bit of a tip of the hat to old Scotty Grimesies, as I like to call him when we're down at the rec center. But here we are with the mail. If you want to get involved in the mail, be the star of the show, like Eric Shea. All you have yeah. to do is email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. All that will be in the show notes as well, so you can figure on out and give us mail, just like the three people tonight, starting with TJ, who says, the hey, three Jim. jokers. And Eric... <laughs> That's not nice. Oh, Quiet down, maker. Uh, TJ, I would say, is the comedian of them. Uh, he says, hi, or hey, Jim and Eric. At What's the up, time TJ? I'm writing this, it seems like Katie Kubert is going to be taking over from Ben Abernathy as group editor on Batman. Other than being from comic book royalty, I don't know too much of her work, except I think she is maybe one of the editors on JSA right now, and she definitely is. I okay. saw a lot of videos. They want to... They Go to the hate side of things and saying, oh, man, that's the editor who does the Alan Scott Greenlight, but also does the JSA, also does the Sam, and it also does the Jay Garrick book. So not just the one thing, but I'm excited for a change from Abernathy. Sometimes change is better. Sometimes it's not. Right? It's always the double-edged sword you got to play with there. My buddy Jay, that's all he would ever say when you'd say, oh, man, I like that. That's a change. Change isn't always good. I'm like, thanks a lot. So he'd say it all the time. Also, anything you'd say to him, you'd be like, hey, you know what? Two plus two equals four. I don't know. We're getting the whole story. He'd say that all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. You are getting the whole story. You could be reading a book. I got you. You could be reading a book and like, the end. And he's like, I don't think we're getting the whole story. No, no. I said, the end. And then I'd look. It says, 
the end, and he was right. Donnie, the guy just goes in there and writes a question mark afterwards. There you go. <laughs> he does. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I think it is fair to say that his tenure has been rough at best. And he's talking, obviously, again about Ben Abernathy as the group editor on Batman. And it does seem like at this point, you know, we've had a bunch of flux, more than we've had, at least since we've been doing our stuff in the Batman books. You've had a lot of changes, you know, creative teams. And one of the big things that came out, whether or not true or not, but Rick Remeter actually came out and said that they offered him Batman and he thought that that would be a step down for his career. And that blew people's minds. Like, that is crazy that you think. Now he's a big writer, obviously. It's almost almost a dick move in my mind, they're saying that. (laughs) Yeah, he's also offered the X-Books, too, and he said the same thing. He said the X-Books and the Batman stuff, and he turned it down. The most popular characters in comics. No, I don't think so. The thing is, it became the big headline at at one point, but you have to think about what he also... What he was... Oh, my God, Eric. Is that a hot take? Oh, my God! I didn't mean it. It is. It is a hot take. But I have a hotter take. Let's see. Toxic oh no, fandom. Toxic Fandom. That's right. He actually, what he was more talking about is that you're writing other people's characters, and if they do end up making movies, TV, you don't end up benefiting from it, was what he really was talking about. But he also said, because of that, it was a step down. It was weird. But it got me thinking, maybe even daydreaming, of what a different Earth may look like. One where a bright-eyed and positive Eric Shea. That's me. Or Jim Werner. And I read that as he's saying that I'm not that. It's weird because he says, <laughs> a bright-eyed and positive Eric Shea or Jim Warner, I still think it's you're the bright-eyed positive guy. I'm just the, the and you're remainder. Just there. I'm just there. Get a call one morning from DC and are finally being tapped for the group editor position. Oh, my. The thing that's I'm great, I'm a caretaker. Though, that I love the idea that, first off, we were going to do a video based almost solely on this sort of concept. But the other idea of it, it feels like it's right that DC would just call to randos and not say can you learn to be an editor that we're already group editor right. <laughs> just write to it all right and says yeah I gotta go we're, to ticket. we're there so i wanted to hear about what you guys would do in katie kubert's place as the batman group editor obviously one of the biggest influences you would have is who is going to be the next detective comics creative team but i'd love to hear what other directions you would take in the lines of titles and he says thanks and keep it weird tj and me and you are going to, and we may still do it. The idea, and we talked about this on our spotlight on Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, Eric. Ooh, plug. Uh, when we talked about the Fire and Ice book, Welcome to right. Smallville, where we think that one of the things that is sorely missing, well, two, and I think that me and you both fill one of these things. First off, I think that a lot of the editors that are left at DC really don't, they haven't read comics most of their lives. They don't even care. About any sort of continuity That's where you come in You are there And that ties into Being a caretaker For the characters as well When you see something Everybody who's listening You've read books Even maybe this week And said Boy that's really bad For the character That doesn't feel in character That feels weird That's a mistake And it always throws you off Yeah and why would you do this And I think that The whole play is There aren't any caretakers left So just as a general deal I think and that's where I come in because I'm such a caring guy. Eric, so Obviously. that's the whole play is I think that what's really missing as a general deal is editors there to be like the last line of defense for these bullshit writers and their nonsense. Because writers are – you want the writer to come up with wacky ideas. You want them to be creative. They're not stifled. But you have to also tell them that they're bullshit when, when they are bullshit. And I don't think that that's what happens. Now, me and Eric both do not like conflict. 
So it'd be trouble. We'll get some other person to tell them shit oh, yeah. that we say, because I don't want to have any fights. Maybe. Maybe I would. But <laughs> with that, like, what would you do in the whole play? Well, like, and he's talking just the Batman book. Batman, yeah, yeah. No, the first thing I would do is actually, you know, give people what they want with a lot of other characters right now where you're getting things like that, but focus on a more Batman family oriented thing where Batman is not the solo brooding Dark Knight, where you have a chance to explore more of the lesser, not the lesser known characters, but just the, the, the characters don't get utilized as much as they should within the Bat family and just have a place that feels like a home for them and an actual family aspect of outside of Bruce's saying, I don't want you to be a part of the city more i'm doing stuff on my own and on top of that i want to have a whole book dealing with red hood where you have him coming becoming deathstroke you have a whole deathstroke society going on with that you have all this different stuff i even want to bring in you know rose wilson in there and have this this big old love interest between them that you can fully explore and even bring back you know respawn who i like to call clay wilson <laughs> somebody somebody's sitting there and like I thought you were the editor, not the writer. Maybe I'll be there. But yeah, I mean, that's the this thing. This is the direction that I'm going to push the writer towards. What I would like, and it's one of those things, like right now with Detective Comics with Ram V and what Chip Zdarsky's doing, you want a synergy with books, but you don't have to have that in Detective Comics and Batman. I like them to be that separate idea. And a lot of times, you know, the Detective book would be the book in my mind to have an expanded type of universe steal the batman maybe a solo but what uh, i feel right now with what's going on with ram v and oh my god the barbados and the asthma of the mind it, it's starting to bleed into like people's idea of what's going on i think they're too close i would separate those things a bit more i don't and know who I'd have a team. yeah and that that might be the main play actually you say that i think that might be i would come in I'd have like spurs on jingling and jangling Eric, like I'm the sheriff in town. And when anybody comes to me and they say, hey, oh, also, I'll also tell you, too, I would have for Detective Comics, I'd have open pitches. I'd let people pitch their idea. And I, you grant, it's crazier. I'd actually take the best one and let them uh-huh. write the book. Like you don't let, they don't seem to pitch books anymore. They just assign them. I would have an open deal. Hey, anybody who wants to be on Detective, give me your pitch. Let's see how it is. And then hire the most competent of the the deal there. But also when they come in with a story, I'd say like maybe on the door. Remember when they had Jeff Johns that he said that he had Captain Cold on his door? So if anybody came in and said, oh, man, cool, Mr. Freeze, he's like, get the fuck out of here because they don't know the characters. Maybe play that game, but not that. It would just be they give me a script. I'm like, does this show Batman is at least competent? Like, oh, no, no, I'm going to do this crazy deal that it's just the human. I said, get the hell out of here. I just take him out. Like, I want to have a Batman said, The idea where hero. Chip Zdarsky has been, like, you know, floundering a bit in his depiction of the Batman story, stuff like that. But when he came out hot and heavy, he was like, this is the Bat God, motherfuckers. I was so excited for that. And, like, it felt like, you know, a, a change was in the air. Something new was coming down to Batman that I could get on top of. Something like Batman's competent again. Not only that, but he's going to show you why he's the goddamn Batman. Not the, the not the goddamn Batman from and that then Batman he lost All-Star the city again. He keeps losing but the city. If anybody says I, that, they're out there. I need to get excited about Batman once again because even though we had this great, what I consider a great start to Chips and Dusty's run, it flubbed. It flubbed really quickly and went to some weird, wacky Morrison territory. I, I also, again, if I'm the group editor and I'm going to pitch things or whatever, or somebody comes up with the story, I am going to go with that play of if somebody comes up and says, "Oh." This story is Grant Morrison meets Alan Moore through the eyes of Frank Miller. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Come up with your own story. Get out of here. And I kick, I'm just kicking people out of my office is what I want to do. I, I want to feel like I'm the big man here. Oh, you might even uh, have a trap door. 
I might. I was actually thinking, and when I was doing that, I was like pressing the button, get out, <laughs> jamming on the button. But I just think that they're they they need we need to get back to the basics for especially the Batman books. He can't keep losing the city. He can't keep being incompetent. He can't keep being like we say. Though some people disagree, not the main comics. character in his own book, like Detective Comics. You can't have him just passed out on Gordon's couch the whole time. That might be if you want to write Gordon. Then give me your pitch for that, and maybe you could do a backup or something. But not the main Batman book, uh, you know, Detective and Batman. You got to get him back to where people were. People don't seem to get excited with an issue of Batman coming out, and that's why I think we get a Joker Year One, a story that really isn't a Batman story in the and Batman that's why deal. Right now, Batman Off World is the king of the crop. It is that right there king of the jason crop. aaron comes in and <laughs> he says he says he says to me he's like hey i have this story about batman in space my fingers going to the button there he's like, <laughs> and then he's like it involves this and shows you oh my finger goes away from the button oh you're actually going to show us how he learned to fight aliens and gods okay now we're talking and again that feels like not something that was a sign that feels like when they said to jason aaron hey what do you want to do and he's like well i want to do batman i have this idea for a story that feels like he has the it might not be but it feels like that's a story that he wanted to tell and he thought it through it's the same as like if i was the owner of a record company you know, you want to come in, you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to sign this band because they don't have shit on shit. Shug I'll Light. just sign them anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> from Cardi, Shug Light. Shug Light. I'm Shug Light. Like, you want to have these people, oh, they have 20 songs. This is great. I can see that. Like, they end up just giving these books out to people with, with you know, willy-nilly, it seems. And I don't know. That's you. You're willy-nilly. But I, I just think that overall... Like we said, I, I I hope that this is okay for TJ. But overall, it's more of a, a basic thing. You need some editors that know the past, respect the past, and can be and a care caretaker. about the characters in general. And, and here's the thing. We're not saying that characters can't change. We're not saying nope. that things, but if you are going to come, and that's another thing. And people might not like hearing it. But if somebody says, I have this crazy change. I'm here to listen, but you better damn well have more than just I have a crazy change because some of these things it Here's ends the change there. and move on and never talk about it. You know, it's just this is what it is now. No lead up, no reason for it to happen. It's just change for no reason whatsoever. You can't you need- just give me that. You need to Do say it. make it interesting for the change to make sense and be real. Where it hit me hard is oh, if we end up showing Superman's identity, there's a thousand stories. He didn't have any stories. He just said no it. Stories. You didn't there's have nothing. them. So why do it? You can't just do things. That is, that's clickbait in a comic book writing way. That's the way to get people. But all it does is it ends up pushing people away. It does. You have to have, you have to have story. You have to have a reasoning for it. And then I do some other crazy things. So that would just be other things, Eric. I won't get into right because they're cool. They might be weird. People think, weird. man, that guy's got Wacky. crazy ideas. Now it'd be the distribution things and whatever. But this is more group editor. I'm dressed up in leather. Mr. DC. I'd just go full manga model. But again, I think that if somebody came in, and we had this actually just to finish this, we had this where, oh, Leah Williams, she's, oh, she's going to do Power Girl. She said she read all these Power Girl books. Oh my God. And then we're told by editors, oh, oh, we like, I'm telling you, at one point, it almost feels like they were embarrassed that she read stuff that they didn't, which was just basic (laughs) shit. So they said, oh, no, no. 
just do your own story and we'll go with that. And I don't know why she did, but she said that she did all this research and had a question they couldn't answer. So they just pushed her in another direction. That's weird. That is weird and weird, wacky, wacky stuff. Weird, wacky stuff. I just don't get it. But caretakers, that's what the editors should right. really be. They really, and, you know, and, and you have to be nice to these, but they're, they're coddling them. You can tell that whatever a writer does, they just do and they're allowed to. It's why a lot of these Marvel writers are coming over. That was something, again, Kelly Thompson even said. It's so much easier here at DC. Why? Why? I don't get it. But thanks, TJ, for riling me up. He's the comedian. We get to the <laughs> next one. I'm losing my voice now. I Love Punchline is next. He says, hey, Lou, to my two most favorite podcast hosts in the world. Oh, my. Now, Jim, I'm very sorry, but since you're deathly allergic to media presented <laughs> via TV shows and movies, my question will unfortunately be mainly at your co-host. But don't worry Uh-oh. to make up for the slight against you. I'll only be addressing him as Eric Shea. And it's with a K and an S-H-A-Y. So we have that now. Eric Shea. We all know that comic adaptations are notorious for being or getting characters wrong and pissing off all the nerds because of something rough. But with that in mind, does Eric Shea have any DC characters where Eric Shea actually prefers an adaptive portrayal to their main comic book self. Well, the whole thing like that is like the idea of the Green Lanterns comes to mind right away because I was right there front and center during Zero Hour. And even with the like the death of Superman, Reign of the Superman, when Hal Jordan became Parallax, we destroyed the Green Lantern Corps, which was the whole thing of DC Comics and the Green Lanterns for the longest time at that point. And we said, okay, all the Green Lanterns are done. We have a new Green Lantern here, whether you like it or not. His name's Kyle Rayner. And you know what? I liked it. I thought he was badass. And I'm like, this was the interpretation of the way the Green Lantern should be in my mind going forward. Eventually, we would get back and like, you know, expand on things with Jeff Johns and the idea of the other but at that point in time, this was the greatest reimagining in my mind of DC Comics outside of the normal 60s stuff where it's like, hey, here's a flash for the like the, the, the rocket age of things. And here's the new Green Lantern and stuff like that compared to the Golden Age stuff, because obviously that changes gigantic for DC Comics as well. But in the 90s, when we had this going on for my favorite superhero, the Green Lantern, being Kyle Rayner and him like, you know, just blowing my mind as a kid, I always just think about this was the greatest change that DC Comics did to a character. Now, I think he's asking you if there's a movie or TV adaptation that you like better than the actual comic oh, yeah, version. I guess, is what I guess he that said. does make sense. No, but, but no, the, you know what's crazy as well? I, uh, I actually prefer the Watchmen movie with the idea of how they ended that instead of the, the squid aliens having the Dr. Manhattan, like, you know, energy pulse looking like Dr. Manhattan was that guy. I think that was more clever because that was something throughout the entire storyline that people could fear and, like, rally together instead of this, you know, unimaginable Lovecraftian alien coming down and threatening everybody. I think the Watchmen movie did the story better than Alan Moore did back in the day. It's funny because I'm desperately... I'm t- <laughs> I, I may, Eric. I, I'm desperately trying to think of anything and I'm like, okay, what if I'd watch? Well, I just watched Ted. Nope, that doesn't work, but it has Scott no. Grimes in it. It has Grimes sure in it. Pretty cool. Uh, I did just start watching the, uh, what is it called? Invincible cartoon but that's kind of right online with the thing and that's not decent okay i got nothing he's right you end up where i don't have anything uh maybe i'll think of something a little i asked because i grew up with the animated teen titans show from 2003 and absolutely loved it teen titans go is an atrocity that should be eradicated from (laughs) but it's service it's fun and like many other fans raven quickly became one of my all-time favorite characters she was awesome she was scary and most importantly, she was hilarious. I really appreciate characters with a sharp and sarcastic wit. Kind of like Eric Shea. 
And she Just always like had me. the funniest lines. Well, gossip about it. With the best delivery, in my opinion, at least. Now, it's funny. Margaret. I think that a lot of ways that this plays out, maybe it is which one you get first. Like you end up getting and you get used to something in the cartoons, which then leads you to the comics. And then, ooh, that's dark or whatever. Well, even I, outside I don't of know. comics and stuff like that, even thinking I was talking about it last night to my buddy. So I think it was last night, maybe even somewhere else. But the idea of the filmation Ghostbusters cartoon. People are like, you know, have most people have no idea what the hell that is, but it is a different Ghostbusters than you think of because the cartoon back in the day that everybody loved was the real Ghostbusters that was based off the Ghostbusters movie. My first Ghostbuster was the filmation Ghostbusters that I thought was the coolest thing ever, but nobody ever knew because they were all obsessed with the real Ghostbusters, which I enjoyed as well. But this other version that was based on a 1975 like live action kids show, I'm like, I didn't know about that live action kid show, but that cartoon and the way they did things was a lot of fun. You had two like guys and a gorilla named Tracy who were ghost hunters. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And like a, like, a cyborg, a, a robot skeleton, like ghost from the future that would come back in time with crazy so stuff. Ridiculous. It is the most outrageous. The elevator as a pitch kid, is so weird, right? I love so this as a kid and it's so stupid. But the thing is like, that will always be my first Ghostbusters. I know this isn't like exactly what, you know, I love punch I was talking about, but it makes me think about it and I, it makes me giggle every time. I actually thought of one for myself. Like, I really like the Mr. T and the Mr. T cartoon. Like, at okay. one point, he is a a, a, roving, a roving gymnastics teacher. Like, I, yeah. I don't like, like, the other version. Like, the guy was a bouncer and became, like, a movie star. I don't like that version. I like the, I the that cartoon. Version. I like the cartoon version. That right? he's just doing wacky stuff in his van. And it's not sus like Bibbo. It's cool. It's How cool stuff. You. Me and, me and Reggie did a podcast on the one of the episodes, maybe the first episode of the Mr. T cartoon. It's the most wackiest thing you've ever seen. He is pretty much a, a roving gymnastics teacher. And Reggie was so like, I've watched it. Why do you even, where do you get the gymnastics teacher? I mean, let alone he's driving around in a van and it's just yeah, nonsense. Look at Mr. T, obviously he knows a lot about gymnastics. Obviously. Yes, he does. So yeah, I like, I like the cartoon version of Mr. T better than that other one. You know what they call real, real life, life Mr. Version. T. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't like that. He says, now that I've grown I up, I wish I could grow up there. See, I beat you to it. I beat you to that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good on you and gotten into the actual dc comics i found rachel roth to be one of the most stale boring and uninteresting and interesting characters in every book she appears in she had a rough time yeah. we talk about it they don't know what to do with her they really don't she becomes way overpowered so they have to pull back and she just ends up kind of and then you're know. constantly telling the same story over and over again because you really have nowhere to just go outside of trigon and then the bitch sends somebody into the freaking Phantom Zone, and they're all fucking yapping at her, like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? The power set, that's the problem is, nowadays, the power set of sending people to hell doesn't work when you are in a landscape of a villain is just a hero you haven't hugged yet. You can't send them to hell, right? Anti-hero. Rachel, Rachel <laughs> anti-hero? Rachel doesn't seem to have any semblance of any personality traits from the cartoon at all. Instead, she's just this basic, magical teen who switches between normal, happy girl who loves her friends and hates her dad, the angry, spooky witch, witch, you say, who occasionally yeah. sends people to the Phantom Zone now. Like, uh, she still looks cool, but besides that, I just don't get the appeal of Rachel. Well, like even the idea back in the day, it's like, all right, here's you know, Raven, the daughter of Trigon. She's here to try to put together the Team Titans so we can stop Trigon in the future. Then she would become like, you know, she would be killed, brought back as the demon self, then come back as like the pure good, like, you know, Raven self of the like, like 
thing. And then all of a sudden, like, oh no, we got like she's brought back again. We have to de-age her. What are we gonna do with this? She's got experience high school. We just have nothing that really goes into this because it always just goes back to, oh no, she's you know, back to what she was here. Because even the idea of bringing back, you know, the demon side of her, that's a new thing in comics right now that we're re-exploring, but it's always gonna go back to Trigon as well. So it's going back to Daddy. It's funny because for the kids, I'll say that I also don't get the appeal of Rachel and Friends. That's I, uh, that, that's for the kids. I do. I do. <laughs> Never I watched do. a show, but I get it. <laughs> I get it, too. It's for the youngins out there. The Friends reference. Do you think I'm being unfair to Rachel here, Eric Shea? You know, no, you not at all. Said no, I, I say it all the time. The idea where, like, Raven, I have an action figure right here because I think she always looks great. And I want to see her explored more. But every time somebody, like, you know, grabs a hold of the character, it's just – actually, it's a lot of things with any of these more – uh, not obscure characters, it's lesser known characters. Whenever you're going to be bringing them back, even like a cyborg, cyborg keeps getting the same story every time they decide. Let's do a six issue mini. It's just the exact same. And my man or machine, and uh, I hate my daddy. We never explore anything, and hopefully, since the last cyborg story, we can move forward with that. But I say that every time we get a cyborg. Okay, we've done this to death now. Maybe we can move on, but we never do. And apparently, even with Beast Boy and Raven, these three, like even Starfire. These new Teen Titan characters are relegated to tell the same stories over and over again because nobody wants to do anything fresh with them, or DC won't let them. And other characters not quite telling the same story, but also going, maybe it's the magic aspect as well in some of these, but somebody like Enchantress, too mm-hmm. powerful, like, the powers, it ends up being too much, so you always have to pull Never. them back. And Enchantress, in the Suicide Squad book by, I guess it was Rob Williams, she just kept getting knocked out of She was like, it was like she was like Lex no, Luthor the, or like the, the, Norman Osborn always getting out. The greatest out. use of Enchantress in the last decade or so is when we first introduced the Justice League Dark where Enchantress took out the entire Justice League. So these dark characters had to get together to form a society to take her down because of how powerful she was. That was amazing. And that's a guy. I don't know how many people love nerf Enchantress, her. but yeah, they always nerf her. <laughs> Am I missing any redeeming qualities to her character? I still like her. I'm saying there, like, if there's the redeeming qualities, it's just that she is a fine person. She loves her friends and stuff like that. She can never go too emotional with it, but there could always be a, like redeeming qualities because people could do stuff with her. They just decide not to. Right now, maybe a redeeming quality is I love Gar, but now that she's not like you know in, inside of a gem and her dark self has taken over the body, we probably won't even see that aspect going forward because she'd be too afraid to let herself love again after this whole debacle in the Titan series. It might be. Or am I letting so my nostalgia and bias for funny one-liners dictate my opinion? Did Eric Shea even like the 2003 show? Did you, Eric? I didn't watch it regularly when it was on because I was, like, already out of high school and that happened. But, like, I, I think it's okay. I've actually gone back recently to, like, just put it on in the background because I enjoyed it enough. Now, a show that I think that a lot of people didn't watch that's really good because I'm not a huge fan of the Legion of Superheroes. There's always this goofy kind of, like, Silver Age stuff that I could never really get a hold of because I think they get lame after a little while. But that's that Legion of Superheroes cartoon that features Superboy from, like, the early 2000s, maybe middle 2000s. I thought it was really good. A lot and, of like, and laughs. You like, you love oh the yeah, they're constantly out there. Would love to know what Eric Shea thinks. Well, there you go. Thanks for bearing with me, and I love Punchline. There you go, Punchline indeed. And, yeah, yeah, and I, I actually, again, I, is it a shock that I haven't seen the 2003 cartoon and did? You know, if you quiz me on even the year, I wouldn't but know. Jim, but Jim, what are you talking about? That's where they introduced Red X. All that Red X stuff we did, you didn't know about that? <laughs> yeah, there's one thing that we didn't like in the cut. You actually are more on the record of saying things that you didn't like adapted the opposite way of having, say, a Red X or a Phantasm in the actual books deal. So that, that's kind of crazy. But 
Here is the last bit of mail. It's from J-Men. This is from a couple weeks ago, so I apologize, J-Men, but we were keeping it. Then we had that that pesky Patreon-only show that we had. So, so he is here, and we did end up, me and Eric, going on the YouTubes, and we had a $25 do-or-die pull list video. I'll link it in the show notes so you can go and check it out if That's you fun. haven't. J-Man is going to give us his $25 do-or-die pull list, and when I first saw it, I said to you, I, I swear to God that he had, here's my $30. I'm like, you, <laughs> because I swear to God that J-Man wanted to change the rules before we wouldn't let him. But he says, hey, Jim, what's up, Eric? What's up, J-Man? I noticed you had a new do or die pull list video and decided to play along with my own $25 pull list. Let me pre preface this by saying I have not watched the video before he did this. So there's no biases for his decisions. And what he's saying Watch is the video. he he didn't end up watching it to, you know, try to be more like me. He is uh, here's his list in order and some thoughts. He says number one, Batman Superman World's finest at three ninety nine. Solid for choice. Me, this is a no brainer, he says the art and writing has been good from the very beginning of the series to now. You getting more Silver Age feel of your favorite DC characters mixed with some more fringe DC characters. That you won't see on any other book. That's one Whether of the it makes things sense that we not, like about it. it. Yeah, we like seeing them though, and they look great. <laughs> what DC fan does not enjoy the Return to Kingdom Come sandbox? Pretty cool. Plus, you get your monthly suits and bats fix. All right, Agreed. so that that is number two. Superman. Eric, oh, the Superman. It was almost at, on my list at four ninety nine. I believe it was on my list. I, uh, I think I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, I think I'm I trying to action think. Over I think you pick action. I pick Superman. We're going to combine. That's he right. says, for those that need a little more Superman-centric fix for the month, here is your book. While I don't trust Joshua Williamson to write event-related titles, I don't mind that he's doing it. what he's doing here in Metropolis. The art is top-notch, and you get enough of Clark's side characters, although it's I It's enjoy- also it's a great new take on Superman with Supercorp and working with Lance. Yeah, I like I'm it. all about that. And I'm not a huge Joshua Williamson fan either, but I really do like that book because, Eric, we're open-minded, right? Come right. on, crop. We're so up in mind you can crawl up inside. Get off my mind. That's a beastie voice line. Although I enjoyed PKJ's action run, and like Jason Aaron's first action issue enough, I cannot put action comics on my do or die pull list for one good reason. I just don't trust Jason Aaron to maintain <laughs> an interesting, consistent PKJ level status quo of quality on a Superman title. I will give the hot take here. I think Phil Kennedy Johnson is so overrated. I'm telling you, I do like him. And I know it'll drive everybody nuts, but please, these two stories, they may have been some of the best that we've had in years. It's because of the bullshit that we had in years, and I still don't think it's that great. Especially what happened after the War World stuff. It kind of was Both a went bit on of too, a mess. A little bit too long. Yeah. And, and went on too long, but yet seemed to end suddenly as if it didn't have hey, enough everybody. time. Sister Shadow, the hell you say? Yeah, I'm telling you, and and the idea where maybe that was his character that he gets, but he's he's okay. Yeah, I, I think I that a lot of people uh, in this landscape of comicdom, not a ton of great writers, so people are elevated up like no, no, two think, steps I, more than they Johnson, would have been. I think is good. I think he just has to tighten up his storytelling a little bit and make it a little bit more condensed because the longer he goes, the more it gets away from him and it just feels like it, like it overstays its welcome ultimately for each story arc. That's exactly what I'm saying right now for his incredible Hulk book over at Marvel. <laughs> I keep telling people, I'm like, you keep telling this meander, like you're not getting to I do like him. And saying all this, this doesn't mean I, I actually, he's one of my favorite writers at the moment. There's not a ton of writers that I really, really love. He's one of my but I don't think that he's quite like people want to put him on this huge pedestal that like 
you can't touch whatever he did. I think there was a lot of things. When we were talking about the War World stuff, when it started getting involved in the nitty-gritty of the lore of what nobody remembers that bullshit. I'm telling nobody you, most people like don't Ray even is. remember how it ends. You know, the whole idea of how that War World ended to then come to Earth. Oh, my God, we have all these War Worlders and the Blue Oh, no, no, they're now again. Everything A-Town. changed. Uh, it was good, though. It was good. But I still think that Jason Aaron it can do just as good in a different way. With that, and that first, I mean, it's so only far, one so issue, but Jason Aaron, while I hated the things he's done in the past couple of years at Marvel, he also did some really, really good stuff at Marvel, and I really do think that he just had whatever he wanted to tell with those characters, he was kind of burned out with, and now he's here to tell some stories. We'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong, but he says, next, number three, this will get Eric talking. This will lube your <sighs> gears. Grand, Green, Grand, Green Lantern uh, at four ninety nine. We like it. Again, this is another thing. I love Jeremy stuff. Adams. I think he's great, but that book needs to get something going, and we don't know if it's Most Jeremy Adams or they're not, they're not letting him do something because of the whole deal. But Must be wonky emotional spectrum. <laughs> this title has maintained quality writing and art from the start of the series. We haven't loved it. And that is, was even with a multi-month hiatus because of Night Terrors. Still the best part of Green Lantern as far as I'm concerned. And that's the thing, too. He wrote the Night Terrors deal, so he ended up doing them. We liked it. If uh, Jeremy Adams can do this well on Flash and Green Lantern run, what is next for him when DC decides to idiotically pull the Green Lantern rug up from under him? Well, it wouldn't be idiotic. The book isn't selling. That's another thing that people have said. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Wonder Woman after Tom King does enough character damage. Again, Tom King, he (laughs) he sells better. And it all comes down to his sales And Jeremy Adams, mm-hmm. while people will talk about it Nobody seems to be putting their money where their mouth is It seems, because Green Lantern oh, is it. But I, I think that Green Lantern Again, you need to get going You can't just keep telling you know This kind of thing Or maybe a JSA run after Jeff Johns gets bored Jeff Johns is leaving, he's done He's yeah. not anything to do with Ghost DC machine. Once that JSA book Hits issue 12, he's gone forever So we don't know what's going to happen while. With that well, until Ghost Machine kind of fails, because he's the one running it. If he goes off again, then it all falls apart. But, Or better yet, they give Jeremy Adams a Flash Green Lantern Brave and the Bold limited series. I could, That'd be cool. I, I wanted a Wally West Fastest Man Alive series. I wanted the Flash I? Family book. I wanted that, because that's a superior bullshit. It just kills me. But number four. And also you want a Barry Allen book to be like a companion piece where you can have the Flash and also the Flash of Fast Men Alive so you can have Barry and Wally going on their own separate adventures in separate books. Exactly. Number four, Jay Garrick, The Flash at three ninety nine. I love that book. Well, out of the Sandman series. Uh, out of the Sandman series, rather while small art still makes my eyes bleed. Alan Scott series, Can't Stand Tim Sheridan's writing, and Jay Garrick series. This has been the only classic character series I've been enjoying. I love how the series ties into Stargirl and Lost Children series and Aftermath. I do too. This I I don't mind the Sandman the series, most. but it's if you're not in the Sandman, it doesn't have much for you. You know what I mean? But the Jake Eric thing, we talk about it all the time. It's also current time and classic, so it kind of works. And out. And you get the boom. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> and Quiz Kid, right? They're they're working on the the Firestorm Matrix as the we is, see. I I upset the idea that these kids are messing with the Firestorm Matrix, but even talking to people in the uh, Slack like Zach, just the ideas you can take from that where they could merge together to save the day to become Brainstorm, like that could be amazing. And it is what? Quiz Kid and Little T? 
Is that what we got? Fair play. <laughs> little T. This is why every character's little something to me. Uh, though little we do Buster. like Little Buster. I was going to say, that works. This is probably the coolest version of Jake Eric I've seen portrayed other than that one minute war moment where Jay escaped and looked like a John McClane level badass. He was so badass. Man. It was badass. Didn't really do much then. I, that was kind of weird. I know this series is only two more issues left, but it is that good. And in two months when it's over, I will just have to replace it on my list with my honorable mention, which I'll get to in a minute. Jeremy Adams does it again and makes me love one version or another of The Flash. It's probably my favorite book besides Batman Offworld. It's just so <laughs> crazy. But I do love Jay Garrick The Flash. I think it's really, really good. Number five, his last book is Justice Society of America at three ninety nine. I definitely like some earlier issues of the series. The delays just end up like, oh yeah, it's you. I could I play that game if we went back and I'm like I'm putting JSA on it because then I could add another book because this book is so damn delayed that I mix in this other one. While no, the I like five no, you, you can, I say you can play I whatever you want. That. You can't play that because that's just you trolling and doing bullshit to change the rules. I, I think I could convince some people. Like, listen, Justice Society, that comes out every five months. In the meantime, I have Green Lantern Warcher. <laughs> I just miss out on the month. Of the- I like that it tied a little into Stargirl and the Lost Children series and Aftermath, although I don't see where Jeff Johns is going with the series. I, I don't We're know. Either. I'm- way too much, just like he did with the Shazam series right now, and I'm afraid that we don't have enough space in those 12 issues to tell all the things that he's setting up. And I'm thinking Helena Wayne will have a conclusion similar to Sam Beckett and Quantum Leap, where it is described oh my in God, one sentence that. line that Sam never returned home. Why you got to do that to me? It oh breaks my God. heart. Don't say those words to me. He says, I need a goddamn team book. Now, with that, just the rumor is that coming up in some way or another, you'll have a Mark Wade, Dan Mora, Justice League book, but that's not here nor now. So, but when well, maybe Ultimates, you know, Justice League. Maybe book, you it's call weird. It that. They say know. that some people are saying it ties into the next big event, which would be regular or that, whatever. But what I'm saying is the Justice Society of America, you're good for at least five years for the what next four issues. It'll take forever, <laughs> forever. Uh, but it says, uh, since I can't have a Justice League book and I'm bored with Tom Taylor's version of Teen Titans or Titans, this JSA book we'll have to do for now. But remember, I it's it. like if it does continue, we'll have to see who is going to do it, how they're going to play it. I just don't see it. I, I, at one point, I thought it would definitely continue. I'm starting to feel a little less confident. I think well, it's that one it of those weird end. things where I feel that people call that they need that Justice Society more than anything. And then once it comes out, I'm like, well, I actually don't need it that bad. And it's not going to feel like it's going to feel like one of those things that are never going to sell. And she like, you know, DC will put it out for the fan, like, you know, praise that they need. Like, oh, everybody's called for this book and then they'll just fail. And I like I really don't need that either. Is it the idea that like, OK, we'll put this book out, but we'll have it horrifically delayed so that people <laughs> will jump. And then we could use that as an excuse now. Because we could have the Friday night fights, Eric. It could be the fight of why people aren't buying. Like, are they not buying it because they always yell? This is some real good Friday night fights. But the idea, but is, is it that they yell for the book and don't, or is it the delays? Like, who knows? And that's the problem at the end. You won't oh. know. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I and plus, you have it. the people out there that want this, but they're also against Jeff Johns for like what he did in Hollywood. So they don't want to buy it either. And they just want to bitch about it online, causing other people to not want it either. So it's, it's just. An awful mess right now. And the thing is, 
I think the book's pretty good, but I can't tell you what's great because there's so many ideas out there right now that I have no idea how it's going to end or where it's going to go with everything that Jeff Johns has set up, especially because he's gone now. And we just have four more issues to tie everything up, whether it's going to be or not. Because even when he was on Shazam for those 12 issues, even though I think it's a 13 issue series, it's like he just set stuff up and it just came to a fucking halt out of nowhere. It's weird. I think that got to like 16 or some wacky Maybe. number because then they added a bunch of shit to it and we had weird guests. What's that guy's name? Dennis Loveless, I think, did like an issue or two? Yeah, Dennis Hopeless or Hopeless, so yeah. Loveless, Something Loveless, I thought was it, though, whatever it was. One guy who changed his name 80 times. Uh, but yeah, and, and we're not saying that, you know, Jeff Johns is going to, he'll be doing the remainder of the issues. But yeah. once that's done, he's done. He has an honorable mention, Green Lantern War Journal 399. I was late to the party on this series. Well, welcome to the party, pal. It was actually <laughs> your guy's recommendation that pulled me over. To the dark side here. Did you do I, all your I, homework? Uh, I used you as my homework. Since I didn't read uh-huh. the Jeffrey Thorne Green Lantern series, says everyone, after uh-huh. the third issue or so. So we gave it a chance. I have no idea why John Stewart can have ringless GL powers, but now he has a ring and a tricer. Hey, and I don't did know. Did you go back and read Green Lantern Mosaic? And, and now he's like, I, it'd be fun. it's like, I tried. I can't fight it because he can't. It makes sense. And I don't know why there is such a space sector 2814 stigma. But I am really enjoying the series. I can also relate to what John Stewart is dealing with his mother, to my own parent getting old, while that's I a love one close to them and the family is dead but not forgotten. And that's a good play and that's good character work. And again, it's sure Bill is. Kenny Johnson. I am enjoying it a lot uh, beyond what I even thought at the beginning because I was not into it. But Eric, you opened my eyes. Open again, my eyes. You'll, you'll still see the aspects in the storytelling, but we are focusing more than John Stewart just being here saying, I'm an architect and or a soldier at any given point. That's all people you say like to focus on whenever John Stewart comes around. Like, no, we can do more things. It's cool. He can have those aspects, but also, you know, do more. It is weird because I didn't know what was going on. And you, you gave me a hammer and saw. Hang on. That didn't work. Once Stop the it. Jake Eric series of the series is going on my do or die pull list in place of that one, that's in a couple of issues still feels like a mini to me it doesn't feel like an ongoing but it is i, you know? I just know that it feels like a story like a, a series look I, I enjoy it for the most part right now i'm actually getting a little bit like away from right now because of how they're making john just a character that he was before this series started which is very disheartening to me but i can see the series not lasting very long as i'm well, saying that's what i'm saying that's why i it, it feels to me like a limited series to get going and now it's an ongoing that's on the chopping block yeah yeah it feels weird right feels very weird and and a lot of times when i say this eric i'm right on right right on i say right on <laughs> did say like one of the things over at the uh at marvel i'm like boy this punisher book this sucks i think it might be a, a mini they're like yep it is <laughs> it was eric i was right so that that is my list i really wish dc would bring down the price of some of these titles i agree says everyone but they're never going to and but the thing is here it's, it's not that I don't trust J-Man, but I will tell you that I was sitting here with a calculator putting together everything he was saying right there. And he did come in at $21.95. And well, he says because with about $3 left, I could almost get another title on my list. That's what I was going. And somebody did point out, oh, I think, was it the Scooby-Doo event? There was somebody pointed out that there is like one, two, nine, but why not? I mean, because I don't want it. You're going to get a Whopper on you? I ended up, well, uh, if you have the app. This is a little thing for you. If you have the Burger King app. I don't have the bonus card. On Wednesdays, you can use the code and end up getting a $3 Whopper or $3 Impossible Whopper, which I got this past week. I, I did enjoy that, Eric, but not quite. He says he, he can't get another book. He can get the Impossible Whopper, right? It, it meatless. Why? 
Uh, it, it, it actually would impress you a bit. I think that it's very, very. Yeah, I actually I can't really tell. In fact, I was eating it. I was really convinced they slipped me a whopper instead, and I kind of. Uh, then I realized that. Eh. Look, I- I've heard you talk about things. I'm not judging you by your taste. You know what's funny, though, is the idea where I'm sitting there thinking, I think they slipped me a real Whopper. And then I thought, why would they do that? They probably want to get rid of these Impossible Whoppers so much that they, they would they do the opposite way. That's all for now. Keep up the good work, and I'll see you in seven. Says J-Man, thank you, J-Man. Thank you, J-Man. Thanks, J-Man. Thanks, I love Punchline. Thanks, TJ, for all of that. We haven't had a mail section in a while so we went a little bit longer on that with the three mails but we uh appreciate people mailing in and if you want to mail in email us at weird science comics at gmail.com but we have two more books to end this week's show eric and they are doozies so we'll get to those right about now somebody once told me don't eat blue guabi do you might just end up dead she was looking kind of green, pointing at me, kind of mean, oh shit, I think that's poison ivy. Well, spores start coming and they don't stop coming, Lamia's army's gonna hit the ground running. Didn't make sense when this book got fun, it went from cool, but now it's kind of dumb. So much to do, so much to see, so I go back to Gotham's back streets. Sales are the reason we go, but the star of the book we all know. Janet, she's a matron, kissing Ivy, go play. Janet, she's a matron, early Harley, get laid. We'll watch out for them, oh, oh, it's pussing Ivy, folk is getting old. It is kind of getting old, Eric, but we're switching it up. We're going to switch up the Poison Ivy book Ivy this one? week. Uh, for, yeah, it's weird because of the idea that we said about the Batman uh, with Joker, you're one. Oh, man, we just got to this pinnacle kind of thing of a story. It kind of does the same in the Poison Ivy book where maybe you don't want it to feel too redundant, but I kind of wish they would have called this Poison Ivy year one on the cover. I think it's weird. Like you said, that might have gotten some people involved. We'll see. But of course, because that song in our talk means that we're not going to talk about that book. First. Why, would we? <laughs> Why would we? We're going to start with Birds of Prey. And this book is odd. Uh, I said to you and a lot of other people where I uh, wondered why people had this with so few issues, number one. I know why. On their end of 2023 list. I like Kelly Thompson. I like the idea of a Birds of Prey book. I could even say that the team feels like it could be interesting. But it also at this point. I want a Birds of Prey book. That's what I could say. Well, I can say that I want a writer who. Maybe has a caretaker that can kind of come in and say, you don't really get the characters here. You don't really get the continuity. And it's weird because in a open timeline continuity, you can say anything goes, but there's some weird plays here. It's very odd. But well, I'll tell you this, this. The what? idea of Zella on the team, the way that Kelly Thompson is running. I don't know a lot about Zella being a non-Wildstorm fan. So Zella coming in here, being a part of the DC universe, maybe I'd like to know more about Zella through this writing. Oh, wait, I still don't know shit about Zella by the end of this uh, six-issue arc. It's because, Eric, we're spending so much time to explain Big Bar to the people who don't know her. Oh, wait, we're not. No, what no. we're doing is spending more time explaining the time-traveling maps. Oh, no. No. No, what we're doing is making sure that people know who's in it. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Huh, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, what we're doing is confusing people. Birds of Prey, number six, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, Jordi Biller, Clayton Coles. And I'll tell you, Leonardo Romero, I started off the series saying, oh, yeah, I kind of like that kind of retro-y look of the deal. I don't like it anymore. Now yeah. it becomes like a play of like, let's make things a little out of focus, lines not matching up to make it look the, I'm like, I don't like it. And the story itself, I hate to say it, Eric, it is bullshit. It is bull. This story doesn't even make sense within one page at points where things are said and then they're retroactively said different. And then you see this, but then it's different. I don't understand. The idea of, oh, let's go save Sin, who Kelly Thompson, this is where I'll even go back, where Kelly Thompson, I say this. Jack has been gone forever, a decade. Why not just reintroduce it with no real background to it? And what I got right away, and I've mentioned this before, but I want to say it again, is that Kelly Thompson ended up introducing the team and kept the zinger for the end. Harley Quinn and people groaned. Oh, man, I was hoping it was this. Oh, and, and she was shocked. She's like, what? And she actually said on a tweet, like, on a Harley train? I thought everybody Choo-choo. loved Harley. I'm like, you just exposed yourself of not knowing <laughs> what DC meant. And she is a writer, Marvel writer coming over. Well, that's fine, Jim, because isn't Harley like one of your top three best favorite characters? I do like Harley. But in this, she doesn't like the first couple issues too much. Now, not at, like nobody in this book needs to be in this book. And like you said, Zealot, you have some obscure characters, but you're not. Showing them and the basis of this whole sin, nobody really knows sin. Even nobody the idea of the monster Magera to the point like, okay, we have sin sitting on Th- Themyscira, being protected by the Amazons because bad people are going to be coming after. Also to train for when ba- said bad things come after. But there's also a monster on Th- Themyscira as well that's trying to possess sin. So we got to get together a birds of prey team to make sure that we save sin and get her off the island. Are you going to ask the Amazons? No, we're going to go and break their freaking code and just go in there, not tell one woman fight as many Amazons we can, but thankfully by the end of this issue, we're going to find out that all the Amazons that were protecting their homeland against invading forces, they were all taken over by Megara, so they weren't bad people either, so that's fine. But even this whole thing, it's like, every step of the way, we're just putting together a team to do stuff you could ask Wonder Woman for, that would be fine, she could even help you get Sim, because they have a larger threat that Wonder Woman, being an Amazon, might want to investigate because you have a monster on her home island, but no, there's no background of the monster, it's just some random thing that wants to take over Sim because it wants to be a little girl. And so... And here's, the again, the concept. Hey, we have to sneak on the Themyscira. Oh, why don't we ask Wonder Woman? Well, she could say no, and then we'll have to fight her. Oh, so what we'll do is fight her? Yes. Like, yes. Y- y- what? Like, Still at the least coolest ask. part of the, se- the series, sadly, is not the Birds of Prey. It's Oliver Queen's Green Arrow trying to distract Wonder Woman from re- realizing what's going on in Themyscira. Two pages. That That was it. So when you get here... And like you said, this is going to continue the bullshit tradition that seems to be now that, oh, my God, retroactively, we have to show that everybody's solid gold. Nobody was good. The Amazons should attack people who are not supposed to be on the island. And while they don't understand, they think in the whole play, they think they are protecting sin. Yet you can't explain. Oh, my God, you don't realize this. But this this entity on your island which then possesses them, like you said, if this was pulled out right away, they'd be interested in stopping Majera from the get-go. It's, and makes them look like morons. And yeah. even in this, Majera, who needs to find a vessel, oh, my God, and, and spells out in here very clearly, it wants sin 
because Sin is so strong, and Sin knows this. Sin and knows that. And also uninteresting, and wants to do better stuff with Sin's life. Yeah, there are Amazons on this island, including Wonder Woman, and yet it's waiting to get a little girl. Yeah, trained, whatever. But at one point, even possessed Wonder Woman. Now it's said in this. Oh, it really wants Sin now, so it can fight Wonder Woman. No, no, it had Wonder Woman. This doesn't make sense. And no. in this too, you have just things that are supposed to have been explained that are just MacGuffins, the urn. Or the idea of the urn, where we have a magical urn right now that opens up and can suck up Megara and anything in and be trapped inside forever. Maybe it was in the story before, but maybe it wasn't. Like, they I'm went not and got interested it at the enough beginning. To, it feels like it's so out of nowhere for some reason, because who is holding on to this urn? All of a sudden, we just have it, and we're going to use this until it doesn't work, so we can't have this going on. thing is, by the end of the idea with, the, with Megara joining with Sin, it does give this character that nobody new readers would know about a, a upgrade do the two new readers care that the sin gets an upgrade i don't know but if this character sin gets an upgrade they might not care about but and it's kind of cool for the idea of it but everything around the setup of doing this is the, it's, it's bogus it's really just bogus and i'll tell you the the and if i'm not mistaken the play was and i think it was chicago chai town that's where Cass and Big Barda went off and grabbed the urn, but it was never explained what it was. They didn't seem to understand. I don't even recall that. So then in this, because remember at the beginning, they were all going off in the Gotham Underground. They're doing this, that, and they went off to get the urn. They bring it, and then, but it was never explained what it did, and that's why you have to throw it out there here. But they come up with a plan, and it doesn't make sense. Even at the beginning, what you're going to play is what could be a clever twist, the idea that Zealot, she is going to pretend to kill Sin. And this is yes. the play of saying, and I thought, okay, that's a good idea. The problem is, is that that whole play of I can't kill and people can't, that never really worked. It's a bit wonky because the idea I can't kill, but they can't die. It's No, it's just that they can't die. You are legitimately killing them for a little, which now you're playing here. And that's supposed to confuse McGarrett to say, oh, shit. Since but that doesn't work, and it's go. such a weird idea because, you know, Megara just goes with it. Zealot can't kill because of the worm that she put in her wrist. Somehow that's something, which maybe it's a Zealot thing. I don't understand. But the idea when Zealot goes and kills Sin, and like, oh my god, this might separate Megara because Megara doesn't know the rules right now. Black Canary does know the rules, though, and she, I don't think she's acting. For some reason, it seems like Black Canary forgot that this was the rules that Zealot's living by right now. And like, oh my god, what did you do? Oh no, it's cool. Yeah, and when it's happening, I'm thinking as a reader, like, Okay, that's pretty neat. That's a cool play. And But again, there are things that happen. In my mind, this whole wonky idea of worm wrist, I can't kill, they can't die, is only set up for this one little scene. And it plays off weird with Black Canary, who made sure that this was a thing, now forgets about it. Then you also have the idea of, out of nowhere, Wonder Woman, hey, Sin, here's my lasso. And then that becomes a big thing. Like, nothing really works. And you haven't explained the urn. The urn was what you ended up grabbing Wonder Woman's doing things. You bring the urn to come up with the idea. Okay, I think I got it now. Now, it's also that Black Canary barely even, like, plays out the idea. I was in there with Sin, and I understand this, but they're saying Sin is still in there. It's kind of 50-50, maybe. They're tug-of-warring of who's in control, but I think if we open the urn, we can get a little bit of Megara in. a little bit here. A little bit of Megara gets sucked off. And then Sin, how strong she is, she can take over. Okay, that's the plan. We just need 70% of Sin. And immediately they open up the urn. They don't even know, like, oh, what does it do? I don't know. Oh, my uh -huh. God. They open up the urn. 
Canary said, like, like they didn't think of anything beforehand. And all of a sudden, the plan goes right out the window by going, oh, no, I think that Sin's going to get sucked in as well. Like, what? What are you talking that You had this plan, and then it's just completely opposite to then not use the urn, because then what you get, again, is a villain who isn't quite as villainous as we thought, just wants to hang no. with a little girl. Hey, I want to hang with a girl, sin. and I promise I won't do anything. Oh. You, you can feel the idea that you're being t- like pulled inside the urn as well as I, and you know that the only way that we live is to live together. So hopefully your friends over there, while we're tugging on the lasso up in the sky right now, they'll decide that this is the better way and just shut that goddamn urn because we're both about to die. But for some reason, it's just McGarrett and Sim talking about this and not relaying this information to the people that are controlling the urn. But for some reason, it doesn't matter because they come to the same conclusion, even though they're not privy to this conversation. And Kelly Thompson awful setup with everything in this book but even a scene like we said about oh zealot that's a cool idea like the the scenes are never allowed to play out you open the urn then suddenly start screaming in this you have magara and this should be oh my god you know it never sits because she's like you'll feel it soon you'll know what i mean oh you feel it like it's, oh, it's one channel to the next <laughs> it's, it's like oh my god you're gonna it they magara explains what she's going to feel more than the actual feeling to then just like out of nowhere. Hey, I do have the lasso around you, so you must not be lying. Oh, all right. From lying, I'm dying. <laughs> oh, all right. Is that the lasso of the mind there? Because I, I, I don't. Well, that's the thing, too. Even the way it's presented, because in the background, you will see like the vine monster of Megaro lifting sin, like all wrapped up in the air as they're trying to do different things. You see the vines being sucked into the yard. But a lot of scenes, one of the close up, then you have like the idea that sin has her tied up in the lasso. So you can have this one on one conversation to make sure that neither is lying about this. But it's such a weird time because when you actually close the urn, it seems like it could be the idea that this is of the mind. They're fighting for control at this point, but I still think it's actually supposed to be where they're just kind of floating above them. But it's so weird the way they're presenting because half the time when you see them, they're just they're just kind of laying there. It does, it, it it's wonky. So then at one point, because you're you're trying to tie up everything, so they keep a oh man, I wonder what happened to Maps. Oh Maps, she fought Wonder Woman. I hope she lived. We don't know, but. But they already just said Wonder Woman's unconscious over there. Like, everything kind of goes against it. each other. And they're Meridian. like, Matt's fought. But then they're like, I don't know if she survived. Well, wouldn't her body be? Ugh, come on. Look, we're busy doing McGarrah stuff. I don't know where her body is right now. So that, but they're, they're just, they say, I don't know if and she also, survived, but nothing comes from it. And then she's a wonky time traveler who jumps back and forth through time all the time. So you're never going to be able to keep an eye but on I'm her. But I'm saying, why mention it? Why say? Well, no, just what, because she's not here, I guess. No, but I said they say what, but we saw her last issue, and they say, "Oh, where's Maps? I don't know. I hope Diana didn't kill her. Where's Diana? Oh, she's unconscious right here." Okay, well, th- th- that's what was happening, and then all of a sudden, well, the weirdest things Barda. about Maps is this idea that you have Meridian, you know, Maps from the future, who's a time traveling vigilante who has been working with birds, that, like you know, who's been working with Black Canary to a degree, because it seems like it's all news to like Black Canary about what's going on. The reason that we put together the team that we did to like go after like Themyscira and not have Barbara Gordon on it, because every scenario of the future timeline that like Maps ran. Barbara Gordon would be killed. And like, it seemed like for some reason, they're like, this is something you would talk to Black Canary about when putting together said team and why you wouldn't have Barbara well, Gordon. Well, they said the they but, did, uh, but because she keeps changing but, the timeline. So she doesn't but it's remember. It's such a weird it. idea that, like, they keep changing the timeline. They're like, how? And I'm telling you, at this point in time, the There's way no that you explain to me, Meridian is the most powerful character in the DC universe because anything could be changed at any given. There's no flashpoint. That's for goddamn sure. But even the idea when Map, when Maps and Black Canary are talking about, oh my God, 
Barbara Gordon is in danger because for every scenario we ran, if we had Barbara on the island, she would be killed. And so would Sin. So we couldn't have that. In this scenario, Sin and Barbara both live. But outside of that, by the end of this issue, it said that some other dark force is trying to kill Barbara Gordon, not McGarrow or anything like that. So I just don't know why they didn't kill Barbara Gordon while she was sitting in her goddamn apartment and not on Themyscira. And so then, <laughs> and then on top of that, you have like, this is weird. And I think that that time to, and they are saying, I mean, there's no stakes in this. Hey, we ran this. We did try to save her all these times, but I ended up changing the timeline then so that we could try again. I'm like, so there is, but it only to explain, because I think that some people would have been pissed off saying, oh, why did you get Megara in sin? That's bullshit or whatever. And that is the explanation of, well, this is the only, the only way, way she we lives. could do it to let her live. And Barbara, it doesn't make sense. And I love where Black Canary just out of nowhere goes, did anybody else die when those things happened? Yeah, they did. <laughs> like, well, it's, the, oh. it's the craziest thing because they ran the scenario 11 times, which means she pushed the reset button that many times, and then they enacted it again to the point where, like, I guess Meridian has to live to hit the reset button. But anything our characters do now, if Meridian stays on the team, and I, I don't even know why Meridian's here they to begin with, fail. and pal pal it up with freaking Black Canary, she's always just going to hit the reset button. So what's the point of this character and this her telling stories? This is what stories? I'm saying. What's the idea of the story? You can't do this. Like, this is the most timey-wimey bullshit at the end. Out to fucking shut her ass down. In this, am I wrong that this ends up happening? Wave right See, around here. This bullshit scene deal with that fucking hair going all over. <laughs> they bitches. So you have all this happening. I don't love this issue, but you have everything the same. And then at the end of this issue, you end up having maybe Barbara does show up and says, "Why didn't you want me involved?" And then you end up having Black Canary said. I was afraid you'd get hurt. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Meridian comes out of a, a wormhole. Oh, my God. Tunnel. Somebody's trying to kill Barbara. Dun, 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 the, then we go. You get. It's your kids. Something's about to be done about your kids. Doesn't end up. You don't have to explain. Oh, we changed the timeline 11 times so that this can happen. And Barbara couldn't be. It's so many steps to get to nowhere. When you could have just had at the end. It does seem like this character Meridian is pretty much just almost the same, maybe a little bit less jokey than Gold Beetle. It is like Gold Beetle, but also throw in where Kelly Thompson thinks that, oh, well, but this is what doesn't make sense. You have a time traveler that is going to already be OP. Oh, my God. So what she's had her do is she'll just show up and go. Oh no, my powers are wonky and the time travel she'll have. Which we did through a lot of the story. We did the whole thing. To then at the end say, I changed the timeline. Well, why did you even bother trying to OP? Nonsense. It, it just, you end up with an overpowered It character. makes everything less. And it makes everything less. And but again, even the explanation when she's talking about somebody, some dark force, some person from the future is trying to kill Barbara Gordon. And every time this is something that would happen on Thetiscare, I just don't know why this person didn't take the time while the birds of prey were saving said, just to murder Barbara Gordon. Yeah, well, just... So, you know, the rest of this book, for the time being, is them tracking down this person who wants to kill yep. Barbara in the future. This, what's happening here? Just like we did with Wally West and the Titans. Yeah, the book made no sense. And then you convolutedly like said something else that makes no sense. I mean, the idea where when I sit there and say, oh, hey, everybody, it's this future. You're like, what? And then it also reminds me, I'm like, okay. Who the fuck did Amanda Waller give time traveling shit to this time? Because it reminds me a lot of Merlin. the Oliver Queen stuff with Merlin. Yep. 
I'm like, what is it? And then I could only think like, okay, who would it be? Killer Moth. And so, yes, we're reading me and me and Zach are doing the year one deal. He's pissed at her. So or it could end up and the way this is playing out. I imagine it's going to be a scarred up alternate version of Barbara Gordon. It's just going to be like the the craziest, like dark traveler type thing. But unless we had it with Troya with Donna Troy. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, I, I didn't like that. I don't or know. Savior, the Tim Drake from Titans of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same. I think it's because in the story, y- you do so much to make the story less. The idea that the Themyscarans, the Amazons, they were controlled. Well, that throws the whole story out the window. Then you have where, oh, Diana, she's unconscious there. So then Barda to open up the urn. Oh, no, I can't. Get, and then all of a sudden, and you have to kind of look. Uh, oh, shit. Wonder Woman got up and is now helping Barda. Hey, sister, we'll do this together. I'm like, all right. But then they decide we can't do that. And then all it is is McGara saying, oh, I just want to hang. I just want, okay. Well, Girls just want to have fun, guys. Everybody, time out. I don't know. Time out, everyone. Time out. Uh, McGara kind of on the up and up just wants to hang with me. And then Wonder cool. Woman has to then, well, let's see about that. Like, it's all about that, but here you go. Hey, are you on the up and up? I sure am. Yes. All right, case closed. Right. And then I do want, because they do get the hell out of there. And also with that, because Megara and you have Sin and Megara together, suddenly you're able to, I'm telling you, the mega rod of Bardas. Oh, gets this. It gets pulled out of the prison wallet because I don't know where the hell she pulled that out. She's like, here you Same place we kept hiding the lasso of truth because it kept showing up or disappearing panel to panel. And then you end up having Barda's like, all right, let's get the hell out of here. Not what looks like a boom tube, which it should be. Oh, no, for some reason she activates the mega rod to a boom tube, but it's just teleportation. There's no tube that opens and nobody walks over. They just teleport away. They just boom, they're back in Gotham. And it's like, oh, man, I wanted to say thanks to Wonder Woman. Barda is 100% correct, says we had to get the hell out of there. Like, the minute all those yeah, that was Amazons bad, that was wake up, we're in big trouble. Because Wonder Woman still should be pissed. And should be pissed more of the idea, why didn't you get a hold of me? They even said it. She said it herself earlier. If they would have just asked me, we would have gotten this done. So At least we didn't have some kind of weird bullshit where Maps is like, if we would have asked Wonder Woman, people would have died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maps comes in. But I ran that scenario 27 times. Couldn't tell Wonder Woman. So we talk about all these things. There's so many characters that we never knew. And I don't know how the team continues because we're going to change up the team. Uh, we may never find out about a lot of these characters. But it looks like Meridian. Matt, you better start explaining some things. But then... As I said earlier in the podcast, when you end up having Barbara talking with Meridian, also talking to, uh, you know, Canary, they're all talking together. And then you have, hey, I see Meridian. Let's do this. But Cass is listening in. Cass is eavesdropping. Comes in and says, sorry, I was listening in. And Dinah says, ah, you can't help it. You are your father's daughter. In my mind, immediately goes to David Kane. And it, it should be, especially. And this is where I said earlier. You have an open timeline, right? That's fine. But the Batman timeline never really changed that much from before. So what you got in the New 52 and in this continuity should be what mostly remains. The idea that Cass was at one point, you know, adopted, ended up being adopted by, but that's not in this continuity. We haven't seen that's like it. That's like the idea, too, like way. the idea of an open timeline, because Bruce Wayne did the same thing to uh, Tim Drake, who for a while there was known as Tim Wayne. We ain't play that shit no more. Yeah, and so, and, and even then, you can maybe try to convince me that that could. 
but not Cass. We've never, and all the books we've read, especially this timeline, that's not the case. And her saying that I think throws a lot of people off. I think that she. Bruce, I see Bruce do with her say, want to go to the ballet? How you like and again, that? Yeah, and that's all I thought of. The idea of talking to Batwoman saying we need to get her out and about. And I think she'd like the ballet because she was moping around and doing nothing. So with all, and Bruce, not a great, you know, dad anyway, but still. And even right now, you know, Barbara Gordon's been more of a parent than Bruce Wayne ever has and what we've dealt with in this because she's at least, you know, the den mother to her and Stephanie Brown living together in the hill. And so going back to our mail section and going back to the whole deal of what we would do as an editor, TJ asked, the idea where, yes, some people actually even applauded this, said, oh, that's awesome. I like that continuity. For me, if I'm an editor, I would say, listen. That's going to be confusing to some people. I'm not saying it's wrong, bad, great, whatever. It's going to be confusing. Change it to, well, you can't help it. You're your mother's daughter, and it works fine with Shiva that she's to hanging a degree, in the shadows. Shiva's still kind of a piece of shit. You know, but she's, no, to, I'm well, saying, though, she's hanging in the shadows. That's all. I agree. I agree. But when you use the line, and maybe just have an editor's note, Bruce Wayne adopted her to so-and-so time. <laughs> I, but even then, people, I don't even think, and plus, you don't even have to say it. I don't mean to spy, sort of. Again, she's apologizing for doing something she thinks bad, and you can put pull out her mom, like, oh, you. And you don't have that line. It's like one of those things that we say all the time. You went too far and, and done fucked up. I mean, you don't have to have that. Just I to agree. have Cass come in and say, I heard everything, and we have to protect Barbara because I love Barbara. Like, you're not getting any great information because of that anyway. But it, it again, when you are doing this, and we say it, and we say it all the time about Bendis, when he came over, oh, man, Star City versus Seattle, like, which is it? Is he giving us something new, showing us a, t- or is he fucking up? We never knew, if it, and this is the same thing. Are we supposed to believe that that's how Damien looks at it? Like, I don't think so. It just doesn't work, but just, it's nothing, really. It just points out, again. Some of these writers, they need somebody to kind of guide them a little more. Even if it is Kelly Thompson, who is, you know, she's been writing for a while, but she's new at DC. Somebody needs to tell her some things. She ends up uh, attacking people on Twitter when they say, that's bullshit. And I'm like, "Mm, I kind of think it is too, but this book sucks. Maybe, though, with the six-issue mini, I I say six-issue mini, but the first story arc here being done, going forward, maybe this was just that initials arc that we had to get the kinks out, and this is the story that, like, you know, Kelly Thompson wants to write going forward with the new team to save Barbara Gordon, because everybody wants Barbara Gordon and Batgirl on the team as well, and so do I. And hopefully it will be better, because every step of the way, this story just kind of fell to pieces the more you thought about it. And and so, (laughs) the funny thing is, People were mad that Barbara wasn't on the team. I think that this whole mumbo-jumbo time-traveling bullshit is supposed to explain, oh, it was always the No way. That is thrown in because she didn't realize people were going to get so upset, and they're doing it. But you say, there's more kinks that are brought up in here than actually ironed out. Like, yeah, you get sin with these It's just weird. But what would you give this? I would give this a 4.5 out of 10. I'm not a huge fan of the art. It does a competent job enough, even though I say that, but... You know, things just kind of like, you know, disappear and reappear from panel to panel with that, like lasso and stuff like that. But the, the story is the main problem for me because it just kind of does what it needs to do, whether it makes sense or not. It just leaves a lot of the characters behind that I do want to see. And it doesn't feel like there's any real reason for a zealot or a big barter to be here except to fill a page space and be, hey, look, isn't that a cool team? And it's just kind of disappointing all the way around. And again, though, I say all these things. I do look forward to the next issue of Birds of Prey. I'm I want to see yeah. where the series can go because I want this to succeed. I was just not a fan of this first arc at all. 
I, I agree. The things that throw up the flags for me are things like it doesn't seem like she's very good at writing a DC team book. I mean, the team or aspect individual of it, characters to make sure that people know who these characters are and why they belong here. Maybe if she had a book that was just Sin and Canary, we'd get more. But the team, she can't handle it. She can't juggle these characters. And I don't really think she knows that much about them. But maybe she does. Maybe it's just not coming through. I hope that the case is this was an arc that, that she was made to write. And now the next one will be her because of, if it's not, I, I don't know how to get better, but a new team might do it. And I, I want to like the book. I really want to enjoy a team with these characters that we really like, but not the way they're presented here. But we'll finish with what book, Eric? Poison Ivy, number 19, written by G. Will Wilson, with art by Marcia Takaro, Arif Prianto, and Hassan Atzmain Elhal. And here we go, Jim. It's our Poison Ivy year one to go back to the college days of Pamela Isley, where she was paired up with the folks uh, like, you know, Jason Woodrow being her teacher and mentor, Alec Holland, Linda Holland, and Philip uh, uh, Sylvain, which is funny to me because the idea is you are going back to this whole idea that these little people who have been together in college all this time, who eventually will all tie into the green somehow. Philip Sylvain, he will go on to create Black Orchid, who is a like a hybrid of the red and green together. He'll eventually get killed because it's funny because even in this flashback where like like Ivy is doing the narration, as it's almost like, hey, Poison Ivy, this is your life. We're like, hey, I wonder what he's up to nowadays. I'm like, that's kind of funny because he's dead right now. But you have all this going on. But the biggest problem with this ever since we had the retcon that the character, the gardener, was a part of this group, all I kept thinking while reading this, though, was like, this is the perfect place to put the gardener in because you just have the idea that everybody in this is about plants and the biology of plants and how we're going to use this to save the world one day. And everybody has terrible things to have to them, whether you're a swamp thing, Linda Halla being killed, and or like, you know, Philip Sylvain, you know, creating Black Orchid, or, you know, Woodrow becoming the Pharaonic Man, Poison Ivy becoming Poison Ivy. But I just wanted the gardener here to show the idea of why they're so deeply connected in the previous Batman stories. And it's just, Oh, yeah, she's not here. Hopefully, going forward, maybe she'll be a character that jumps in. Like, hey, this is a late cover to the group, but it's weird. Because I, I want to see her on the early days of creating plant dogs. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the big things of Queen Ivy and that and whatever did yeah. lead from, you know, Gardner and, and what. So I would like the and connection. what happens in this issue? Yeah, so when you get this, it, it, it's decent enough. Uh, like I said, in my mind, you're centering on. The idea of really showing like Woodrow, hey, Woodrow's bad. We know that it's kind of going over in my mind, kind of like what Ivy did with, hey, Blue Aguave, like in the song, like, yeah, that's bullshit. You think you're helping, but you're hurting, and it's kind of going over my head. And this is the idea of, you know, almost like a toxic teacher type, you know, deal, but it's just kind of, there's not enough room to really hit. It feels more forced than actually hitting. And in the end, I know that Woodrow's bad. And I yes. kind of want to get to that, but he even feels like schizophrenic at points in this, but I think it's supposed to just show how I just think it's the idea, is. very toxic and very gaslighting, the idea of taking the two male characters away from the two female characters. So I think him being who he is, he thinks he can manipulate the females to do his bidding more than the other male characters. And even that, maybe even focus on Pamela Isley because she is so young and naive at this point, and he probably can see the idea that she's willing to do anything to get well, my approval. You see that, but you're, a lot of this is us thinking he would think that because what we see is, hey, I'm going to take you to, oh, why? Well, yeah, he's probably lying. But you also are pulling away, you know, two characters, Linda and, and Alec, that they're going to talk. I mean, anything that goes on, you you know that she's going to end that's up. That's why you see the, you see Linda have that look at her eye when he says something in a prep. He's like, okay, I'm going to move on to Pamela now. Yeah, but it's weird. <laughs> like, even the one scene that you have, they, you know, you have that whole toxic boss. He comes in. 
This was supposed to be done two hours ago. No excuses. You better figure out how to do it or this is bullshit. And then he leaves. And then Linda's like, oh, man, Pam, why didn't you say anything about that? Why didn't you defend me? And she's like, I don't know. I didn't want to upset him anymore. And then the narration is, yep, he was pulling us apart. Not really. You decided. Like, it, it, it's forced to me. It works because it's Woodrow. But the idea, you're, you're not going to be able to show enough that I say, oh, God, look at this manipulations he's doing. You do have to kind of say, yeah, it's Woodrow. I know he's doing it. And I just, it just felt But also because of who she is right now, not being poison ivy or having a backbone and the confidence that she will later have, Pamela Isley is willing to go to that extra step, whether it's not saying, you know, things to defend Linda Holland and stuff like that, just to like kind of like be the teacher's pet to a degree because she wants his approval and also she is sexually attracted to him. And the idea that, and the brain, the brain wise too, because she's all about this idea of the frontiers of plant animal hybridization that will eventually be her entire life, just like Woodrow. I kind of wish it was more. And I know, again, I know what she will Wilson is doing, but also if you're there and you have two assistants and one keeps fucking back talking and like, okay, well, you're just a pro. And then it's also, I wish, I wish it was more in the idea of. Oh my God, you know, while she is still a student, Pamela is so smart and so, like, I want to take advantage of that. And I just, I don't know why you had to go that extra step to make Woodrow awful, awful, awful when we already know he's awful, awful. Well, and even we the idea that he's idea. the one who's, who's going to make Pamela Isley in the poison ivy, because even at the point where he keeps talking about people funding his research and their research, but mostly his research for what he wants, everybody's a part of this whole thing. But eventually, poison ivy or Pamela at this point is going to have to steal money to continue the research because the, the backing just <laughs> stops getting backed at this point. But he is willing to just go the extra mile to do what he wants because of how obsessed he is with the research that he will, like, you know, make make Poison Ivy the test subject that he needs to show the, the idea of plant-human, like, like hybridization. And I, I, like I said, I understand everything that's going on, and I, I see where they're going, but I... He's going to use and manipulate her to every degree he can. In my mind, if this exact story was told in 2011, right, the new 52 starts and you have it, I think the angle would have been more of the brilliant student who comes up with all this shit and the teacher who just steals the work and takes all the credit and then you get oh my god he's so bad but because of now it has to throw in that extra level and i just i don't know like i said without being able to see it fully it just sometimes in this it feels forced to me it feels forced well, like, it, to I'm a like, degree ah. it's over the top because woodrow is terrible to everybody he says awful things especially yeah. to linda but there's the thing is you're trying to see the evolution of pamela isley in this where she is willing to look the other way just do what he wants because of how like you know how much she's put him on a pedestal for who he is and what he can do for her and even the idea of what they could be together that she is willing to do like be like you know, manipulated to this degree where she eventually will become so, a more confident mm. person who would never allow this to happen to her again because yeah, of what she went through when she was in college. Fine. I think maybe it's the beginning, too. It's like, I was leaving for college, and my mom said, watch out, there's going to be guys that... It just spells out exactly what's going to happen, and it just felt forced to me. It's just good but advice. It works. it works for, you know, Woodrow and what he is. Isn't that what you told your boys? And, no. <laughs> no, I'm like, just, you know, I said, whatever, get the hell out of here. They're like, we're going. I'm like, I didn't even hear what you said. Just get the hell out. You pay him <laughs> right there. That's what I say. Uh, but again, like I said, I love seeing, you know, even you telling me Sylvain, but also Alec yeah, yeah. Holland, you know, Linda, all that. And Woodrow, it, it's cool. That's stuff that I think. And I think that it's done in a cool way that some people might even read this and not be in the know and think, oh, this is a, 
that I gotta check this it and it works. You're like, oh my god, yeah, that is the yeah. deal, and it might get people to want to know more about it. It's a recreation very well for the origins of these characters yeah, and like where they that. came from, especially leading to Poison Ivy and the Pharaonic Man. I'm just, it, I, it's hard to explain. I, I told you even beforehand, it's one of these things that if I go too far, you're gonna think I'm just a hater or that I'm just an awful person. But again, you're doing Sexist. this comic, you're doing this comic book story. With a villain that we know is a villain We know what's going to happen And then you have to add that extra level That I think might turn some people up Because it's not fully spelled out And it just seems like that then becomes The G. Will Wilson thing i got to show this i got to show a toxic male deal But he is He's a toxic male He is Oh totally And it works But it just Even the point where I he's gaslighting her To make her good Against everything she's willing to do To go and steal Like you know Things to sell later on Through different research And stuff like that Putting her on the eco-terrorist Kind of lifespan But even when she's doing this She she is doing this Like and it goes against Everything she's ever done in the past But then she also finds herself Loving the thrill of this as well Well that's the problem When, when you do that And you say gaslighting You know whether or not you think she can say no, because she might not think she can, all that, but we're dealing with Poison Ivy, who becomes a really, really bad villain later on. And yeah, yeah you can say that it's all because of Woodrow, but the, there's a little bit of villain in there already. So I can't really sit there and say, oh my, like it almost makes you feel like they, G. Willow Wilson wants to tell you that Poison Ivy never would have done anything bad at all, ever, 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 if would you, but I don't, I, because of where we're coming gateway. from. When we're coming from, though, it ends up like it's still poison. I don't necessarily think that Pamela Isley had to become who she became if she had never met Jason Woodrow. I think she could have been on a completely different path because of the things that were she experienced and were opened up to her. She went on down the path that just like became poison ivy. But you're, that's because of the poison. But I don't know that later on somebody else wouldn't have said, "Hey, we should do this," and she would have just went with that and stuff. I'm I. I don't feel sympathetic for Ivy here because I know what Ivy becomes, I guess, and it kind of doesn't play. Also, I want to spell out one thing, too, that we didn't even say. I felt the same way with the Joker in that year one story. And mm-hmm. Batman, it felt like we were supposed to be sympathetic to the Joker, and I'm never going to be oh, no, sympathetic that way. Before and after. And that's the thing is when you're coming from one place to the other. You say that. I feel like the idea is like I don't know if I'm supposed to feel sympathetic because if we're talking about zero year Red Hood, I don't – that guy's a piece of shit. Now, if you're talking about you know Jack Oswald White for like the comedian Joker, he's a sympathetic character to a degree. So but who am like I actually supposed to feel sorry for? combine them all, I can't feel sorry for one. but And feel sorry is a little less than I feel empathy for them. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's a shame, but it's still the Joker. And this – I don't know why. It, I like it. Again, but – when we're talking, there's not much more to talk about. I mean, really, all this is is, hey, Woodrow has some experiments. He's brilliant. He's doing all and these things. And at this things. point in time, because everything that Ivy believes in, too, he like she's become his confidant and lover to the point where she has been like exiled, not exiled, but like you know, taken from the group to a degree to be like you know a part of Jason's secret little world here. Because he even shows her a uh, storage container like at a shipyard and stuff like that, where he has a secret lab that's outside of the like you know prying eyes and people who might have you know ethic problems where poison ivy spends most of the time hell she is so into the research because that's even on top of it. everything that we're doing now she is mostly about the research yes she finds herself sexually attracted maybe even love this jason woodrow for how young and naive she is but she is sleeping on the ground of a cargo container because she can't leave this whole thing yeah, that's like, like at their this point secret time, lab woodrow knows it like i have this woman wrapped around my finger i can get her to do whatever i but want again this is where and this is the narration that throws me and it's again it's g willow wilson talking in my mind where it's like there they are. It's exactly what you think. And they're starting to make sweet love, Eric. Yeah. 
Office hours are closed. Like, after all, I was an adult. There was nothing illegal about it. Okay, right? Yeah, they're doing... It's an ethical problem, though. But then it has to throw in. But even then, at the very beginning, I could tell he was still the one in charge. You're forcing that because you don't have enough room to really show it, and it feels forced with the narration saying that. an ethical question. Yeah, but again... It's not even going with ethical, like, I didn't want to stop. Like, it should be. I would have stopped it, but that might mean that he'll kick me out of the research, or I wouldn't be able to do No, she says, I felt he was the one. It's it's so forced in to make you realize, which we already know. It it, it It's there to point out stuff. We already, it just feels weird. It feels forced yeah, I can understand way. the idea, though, but coming from this from a female point of view, which we might not understand, the idea that you do have this in the back of your mind, because the idea is... Yo, I am all about this. It's not illegal, but he is the one in charge of my right now, my my like you know my uh, career. But there's other points where, and she, I think that she's just saying in chess. She's not even mentioning the career. She actually isn't even going to class. The career. But you have even said things that aren't in the book. You can infer. You're like, oh, I get it. He's doing this, this, and this. So you don't even need like you see that. You already know what's happening. He's the. T- it it just feels. It makes it that much more forced that she has to. Pointed out as if nobody would have gotten it at that point. It just ends up feeling odd. It just feels extra. I, th- I don't you know. Don't for some reason, it. I think when you have this, there, I think people just see a love scene and that's it, and not think about it uh, any kind of deeper. Well, I think that. Well, then you can't. But you've already said. Well, we can see that at that point he's get, but he's not really. Most of the things in this, she's just like, well, he said this, and I think this, and it's more of the idea of us knowing Woodrow, and I, I just, uh, I think it's more forced. Again, like I said at one point. That Ivy was killing people because they were eating, you know, vegetarian, but that caused more. And it was so forced in that just, I don't know, it seems like it's way over the top forced and explained when it's kind of easy to see. Because overall, at the end, because you say that, then you're almost taking Ivy off the hook for everything else she does, which she still is doing some bad things that she should be held accountable for. It's not all in Woodrow. And I think that that's where I kind of come out of it like it just feels a little too much but i wish they would have had it as ivy university still too but it's not yeah so at the end she's gonna break into things and again maybe you get that play like what's missing in my mind instead of a narration is where ivy says you know or pam says i i can't do that i know oh well i guess i can find somebody who can and then oh shit like look at him he's I don't need it through narration. I would have rather have seen it through the actions in the book itself to really see. Oh, yeah, he is really manipulative. But most of the scenes are just him walking in, yelling. Then he's not yelling. Then he's happy. And it's just weird. It just Bipolar. didn't feel, just didn't feel as times. hit. Well, it did seem that way. But you don't even play that because you wouldn't do that because then you'd start thinking, oh, I have to feel empathetic. And I'm saying, gee, Willow, I just think she's like he's pure don't evil. Don't feel bad for Jason Woodrow. She wouldn't be able to have him be bipolar because then people would say, oh, my God, he's mentally ill. You can't be a villain. All that nonsense. Well, mentally I ill people can't be dicks? No, I'm saying in, in books, that's the whole play. People will say that that's a mentally ill person. You can't hate him. You have to feel bad for him because he's not getting do whatever I want. Well, he's not getting any treatment or anything. So at the end, I wish that he did have some points where, well, you know, there's a lot of other pretty girls. And then, oh, no, <laughs> no oh, what am I going to do now? And also, like. He should be there to say, listen, you don't go to class anymore. What? But I'm, no, no, no. This is more important. I went, so now that she's not going to class and failing, she has no other way to get out of that. Like, oh my God. Cause then he could say to her, 
oh, what are you going to do? Go back to class? You're failing now. Like, I want to see him do that, not through narration of, I think he's still in control. I'd rather see it. But still, I do like it. I'm saying all I'm this. I just don't all... like the angle that she uses. I, I like this issue. And you know what the best part about it is? We're not dealing with the Lamia spores. And you know what the worst part about it is? We're not no dealing with the Lamia spores. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no I am done with Lamia spores. So I don't ever want to see that shit again. I know we we have a zombie apocalypse going on. And I know. We have to get it. back to it. I love the idea of Salmon Grundy and Killer Croc teaming up to take the shit down. And even Batman at times. But All of Gotham I'm just is so overtaken. over spores that I'm happy to see a Poison Ivy who will become Poison Ivy still sans freaking Lamia spores, but I just wish that the gardener was here. Better teach her how to get rid of them zombies. Also, can you tell how <laughs> non-cartoony the artist in this issue is? Yes, I totally can. We are back to normal. <laughs> it's a big difference, and it looks good. Again, I like everything in the book. I just think it goes that extra level where it is G. Willow Wilson like, I really need them to understand this. And we kind of already do. And it felt that made it feel more forced than that. I understand a Foronic man, but do I understand a Jason Woodrow? Well, I, I don't think that you could sit there and say, Ooh, that like without that narration, you're not going to say, Ooh, I, I don't think Woodrow's bad. Like, you know, it, you know it. And but I'd rather, so <laughs> I'd rather see it through action. I really would rather <laughs> see it through action some than hot, just the sexy narration. Action. We got to see some of that, huh? Again, if, even if it's as easy as <laughs> at that point, she's like, oh, oh, I can't do this. And then he says, what? It's legal. We're adults. She's like, I don't know. I feel weird. Oh, well, I guess I'll find somebody else to help me. All right, sweet love. Then you're like, oh, shit, that's toxic as shit. Agreed. Or maybe this is more subtle in my mind. Yeah, but I don't think it's subtle because you say it in a way of Ivy now in the past saying, I knew he was in charge. All It just doesn't hit as well. And it seems like it's just... That well, maybe the problem a, you're having the idea because we have the whole idea of this story. While it is Poison Ivy Year One, it's being remembered and told to us through a present day Poison Ivy who just had a pharaonic man rip out of her torso and she's laying there dying. She's just thinking back and having a flashback before her NDE. Yeah, it's it's just odd. It's just odd that you have to go. And, and she's done it throughout this whole play where at points like you end up with, oh, my God, the bad Amazon. And it's more forced through what she tells us than what we actually saw. And things don't make sense. But in the end, I do like to see how this goes. And I hope that we just I hope that, was there. I hope that at this point also that we just don't get rid of, you know, Philip, Alec, Linda. I, I hope that they're not. I hope they're still in it. I hope you well, still see it. I don't even know what we're going to do with them anymore. I don't it feels know like either. That's, that part of the book, well, I'm telling you, I like the idea of recreating this because it is classic having all these characters together. We've already separated Ivy. It seems like we don't need those other characters to but come that's, back. That's where I wish, again, that kind of shows to me like where he's still doing the stuff that really doesn't matter with them. And they're like, where's Pam? We have a, oh, don't worry about her. Like it gets evil that that way too, but button I don't think we're going to see Don't talk him. to my wife like that. You button your lip too. I'm Jason Woodrow. Do you know who I am? <laughs> when when you have this, I'm waiting Everybody for Alec. Your lips. I'm waiting for Alec Holland to come really in and like I'm, I'm going to button your lip. All right, like <laughs> Alec should come in like swinging. You should be all upset. But overall, who knew it, Jason Woodrow loved to button your lip so much? Hey, he's a button your lip guy right there. That's toxic, I think. Right, button your lip. Yeah. Button your lip. You your know pants. what he means. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. You can't have both buttons at once, so it means the pen. Yeah, I don't. I'd love to hear what other people thought if they're even reading this oh, still, and if they think, like I said, I'm not saying that the concept is bad. I just thought it felt forced when it could have felt more natural. But, but 
button your lip. Uh, what would you give this? I would give this a 7 out of 10. I definitely think it's the strongest book that we had this week. And I think it actually it's like I want to see more with the idea of the origins of Poison Ivy, especially, like I said, the idea of the Gardeners instead as a retcon character that should be in this friend group. I just like having this because, one thing, no obvious spoilers, and two, it is a good way to represent the character in a way to bring people like who have been reading Poison Ivy, like the see the origins of the character. We've talked about it. We've had Philonic Man pretty much throughout this whole thing. He's keenly tied to it, and it's actually kind of cool to see it here. Yes, it's kind of out of nowhere. It's halting the progress that we had before, but I actually think it's doing it pretty well. You're a real crumb bum. You're a real crumb bum, Eric. But not real lip. I'm a <laughs> 6 out of 10, and I, I, while you were talking, I was, I'm trying to explain. <laughs> I feel like I need to explain myself. You need to explain yourself. It would be in a, you have like a really, like say you have Sinestro. Let's hear it, everybody. Come on, get ready for this one. Sinestro Ugh. comes into a scene. Uh-huh. He kicks a dog and slaps a baby. <laughs> oh, no, the bad boys. And then you end the up having <laughs> Jordan's like, I don't know it, but I think that was the point where I really knew that Sinestro was a hands-on asshole. Like, no, we just saw. Like, I, it, it just felt, I don't know. I don't the know. Boys so were bad. They the kicked me three like a dog. They did. And you know what? We knew they were bad. They're the bad boys. <laughs> They're the boys who are bad. You didn't need more than that. They were the Haley, boys who were no. bad. Oh, no. Haley, what are you doing? And then later on in the Nightwing series, we find out Heartless isn't so bad because if he was, Nightwing would have taken care of him. Right? Obviously. He can't be that bad. He's just, it's like it's, you know, this month, almost this week, right? He's just a guy who likes Valentine's. He likes to grab the hearts. He's like, I'm just collecting the hearts. I need to get a big heart until I don't. And then, oh, no. I'm a cyborg. <laughs> Little Buster doesn't have a daddy. Ah, uh, the end. But That's probably yeah, for the best. Yeah, probably. Uh, yes, six out of ten for this. What is your book of the week, Eric? I think it might my, be the book we just talked about, right? Agreed. And my book of the week is Poison Ivy, number 19. Mine and a surprise is Neil before Zod, number two. <laughs> Again, it's the tallest something in a something, is what I'll say, Eric. I don't want to offend it. I don't, I don't want to butt cheeks offend. I also was going to mention, I think it was in the Birds of Prey, they had some butt cheeks wingding talk. I, I didn't do that. But some hey. butt cheeks wingding talk. Yeah, butt cheeks wingding talk. Now, we, I will explain a little bit for next week. We don't know exactly how next week's going to go. Eric uh-huh. Shea will be out of town. We're going to try to do some things early. We might not get to everything, so we'll at least get the most important books. We're going to have our Patreon spotlight. Two of these books will be on the Patreon spotlight. Pick by the badasses to get fresh crew. Uh-uh. But I may actually have some other people fill in, and some we'll, we'll see. We'll try to get most of them. But me and Eric fill in my hole. Some of the deals they're going to fill in your hole. By the way, that's when I realized Eric was all in control. See? That's right. See, I didn't need to say that extra, right? Uh, and, oh, you're, we all know uh, it. Am I? You're gaslighting Eric. I'm ghosting Jimmy. Or is it this opposite? I can't remember. I saw that <laughs> at one point that I made. Yeah, at one point we were talking and we, and I made actually a picture and sent it to you where it's like ghosting Jimmy and gaslighting Eric is what our names were. So there you go. I don't like but it. it Here's what we'll talk about next week. Again, that out. some of the big things are we'll have Eric Shea year one. Year oh, one God. Eric Shea already talking comics. He's already doing rap songs and things. Can't read nice still shit my pants when I'm talking about comics. Can't read shit in your pants. You're rapping and, and uh, reading comics and, and you're not as tall as you think yet. How about the size of a Jimmy? Button your lip, Eric. You're a crumb bum. Action Comics number 1062 continuing 
the nice. bizarro story. I would say that that would be something Eric will want to talk with me about. We'll see. Definitely. It's on my list. Batman 143. Definitely on the list. I'm taking all the good shit for myself. Look, I got to go to upstate New York for a few days for a funeral, so I'm going to be out of town like you said, but it's going to be like a real out-of-town situation, just not me fucking around at a convention. So this is some real stuff, but there are a handful of books here. I'm going to have the gimmies. I'm going to need that for myself. I'm going to take everything away from anybody who wants to fill in my holes. Is it inappropriate that I was going to make a joke about you were there for a few days to kill, yes. but you're yes, already at a funeral, so somebody's dead? Well, I won't say This is why you don't have friends. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true, Eric. See, that's when I realized that Eric was in control. There, there you go. Batman and Robin <laughs> number his six. Holes. Batman and Robin number six. I don't think Eric has Somebody it on my gimme list. Somebody can have it. It's fine. But it's it's soccer dad yep. Bruce uh-huh. and and manga esque. Maybe I'll. Yep. I, I would say maybe I'll get Luke Hollywood the manga, but I don't nope. know where the hell he is. That guy's missing in action. We also have. <laughs> Uh, Blue Beetle, number six. I believe that Why that might be done? somebody else. I might talk to Zach about that. He talked to me yeah. about Blue Beetle when you were not on the show for those couple of weeks. So maybe he'll be involved in that. Green Lantern, number eight. I think you'll want to talk about that. But that's actually, that's a gray area. <laughs> it's a very gray area. I'm telling you, one of my favorite heroes of all time. And I'm like, do I want to talk about that book? Is it going to be important enough to talk that's about? Because, you know, thing. the emotional spectrum is kind of wonky. It is kind of wonky. But do you want to risk... The idea that this is the most important issue of the series and really spells Don't things out, you me. miss it. Don't put that evil on me. I'm looking at the rest of the books, Eric. Please. You can give up a lot of these others. There's the stuff true. that true. I'm going to mention. I think Green Lantern. Please continue the list and we'll, we'll revisit the idea of Green Lantern. <laughs> Outsiders number four. Not making the list. That is not <laughs> If I try to find somebody, then I'm going luck, a step brother. further than I would. I think that that book's done. Uh, one that we already Red Hood the Hill, Eric, number one. We're not touching what? that shit. That's, That's bullshit. Sinister Sons, number one, is a weird play. It's a number one, Fuck. so I think you're going to want to have to talk yeah. about that. And it probably will be on the Patreon spotlight. But we'll, who is we'll, that, Jimmy? He's just a little guy with an attitude problem. That's when I realized Eric was in charge. <laughs> just gonna keep saying that. Speed but Force number four. Is that a book, Eric? Is it really a <laughs> something? <laughs> I would love to make the joke that it might be the most important issue. Yeah, really? Yeah, try. Mm, yeah. That is convince that? me. Now, with this week, Fire and Ice ended. What's Mad Mod up to? He's doing fiddle shit? We already ended Hulk Girl. It uh Speed Force, definitely the worst book right now, right? That's the yes. worst book coming out right now. Yeah, uh-huh. that book. Wait, but it's it's kind of fun. I think the last time that we talked about it, it, it we ended well, we did. We actually had problems, but I ended up being able to get it, and it still was only nine minutes long. Exactly, we had nothing to talk about. So we had the speed force while talking about that book. Yeah, really, the force wasn't strong in us. And then we have Wesley Doug Salmon <laughs> number what? five, which is a weird play because while well, it's not Lattie's important, back on the list. and while it's not important, it's also not the Mad Gasser. It's the penultimate issue of a book that, yeah, it's weird. But yeah, I think okay. that. I don't give a shit about a penultimate issue. Green Lantern comes way, but like, if we get to the roundabout thing of saying it, Green Lantern definitely happens. And then if we have time and whatever, maybe Wesley Dodd Salmon is next. But other maybe. than that, nonsense. Right now, the only books I care about talking are action comics, Batman, and Green Lantern. Yeah, and, and I just want to point out that a lot of people do say to us, oh, why do you talk about these books if you don't like them? Oh, you should just talk about the it. books you like. 
the the problem is is there might be a couple weeks in a row where we don't talk about shit then. Like we talk about them <laughs> because we talk about them and we're here to tell you if we like them. And or even not. the idea. I don't think Blue Beetle is a very good book. Blue Beetle is one of my favorite heroes, though, so I'm definitely going to be wanting to read a Blue Beetle book. But this one just ha- this one doesn't happen to be very good. I think that when you, you go, and I'll even spell it out Maybe a little different. I'll spell it out a little different. The idea is not whether we like it or not. It's whether we sure. think that it's important and the story that it's telling is a big, important story that could mean stuff going on. Or the character. Yeah, Blue the Beetle. Even though it's an ongoing, which blows my mind, it's not doing anything. Outsiders is just bullshit. Speed Force is horror. Outsiders might be the second worst book out right now. Just how you say angry that. I'd I still get. rather I'd still rather read that because it has Luke Fox and Batgirl Woman in it than the others on the list. Well, yeah. I mean, what are the others? Can you think offhand? Like again, there are things that we don't really like, like a Detective Comics, but we would never chop that off the list. But. uh there's some weird books, but I said one of the things we're though. We're fitting is, out the herd right now, and yeah, so, just so we can actually that. have a lot of room ready to go for our big event going forward and see how the DC landscape looks after that's over. Yeah, and I think that they're, you know, at one point they got a little DC YOU. Hey, let's just throw minis out and let's do that. And oh, as these end, we're not getting a ton to replace them, which I actually don't mind. I, I'd rather have the focus on well, the big for a books. while there. It's all we're getting over and over again. So, like, here's a bunch of books that don't feel like they matter, but hopefully you might get some enjoyment out of them, maybe. Yeah. And then, you know, you have the Black Label stuff that people enjoy that. But then you also have, like, a book that, like, The Last Days of Lex Luthor. That Where'd thing that is go? missing in action. It, it was a weird play. I was going to make a video about it. It, it's weird. You want to hear the wacky story real quick? It didn't feel like a real s- sequel that it should have been. <laughs> Mark Wade ended up saying that him and Brian Hitch, they ended up, hey, we're going to do that years ago and did that first issue and nothing came about. So then they were told, hey, you want to continue that? Yeah. Suddenly he's like, looks at the, it's almost like getting traded from a sports uh-huh. team and you find out by watching Sports Center. Like they didn't even tell. He's like, what the fuck is this book? It wasn't supposed to come out. They aren't ready. For, they weren't done any other issues. It was supposed to come out later, and they just they just dropped it like a rap album nowadays, right? They just dropped that album out ball. of nowhere, and then they they're like, we don't have the other issues ready, so they're just kind of it's in a holding pattern. It's very odd. See you soon, Lex Luthor. Not very soon, but Brian soon. Brian Hitch, maybe that is like we make that joke about say Tomasi on the Sinister Sons, and he has to say it's an ongoing because he's on that Ghost Machine deal. And he's, yeah. but I think Brian hitches as well. So maybe have, hey, we better drop that now so we could say it's got, I don't know. It's very odd. But yeah, those are the books and we'll see how it goes. We'll obviously have a show. Me and Eric will be talking. It's going to be one of those because back in the day, every year you would go and visit your dad's grave. Your dad's uh-huh. grave, as you said, okay. me and Reggie, me and Reggie would take over. But the funny play is you would usually be there for like 90% of the podcast, but I'd continuously say that you were gone because uh-huh. <laughs> we would do things early and then we'd have it. Reggie would do two books. I'm like, yep, Eric is gone. <laughs> well, you were still there. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll you just had an books. hour and a half section with him. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And I would say that or when you were completely not there, like an annual week where he had three books and it was eight hours and you didn't know what happened. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah, no idea. Me and Reggie were so off the, the rails on that one. But yeah, I'll probably get some other people involved if we don't get to some of the important That's books. Be cool. Or if I can find anybody to talk to me about, say, The Outsiders or even Speed Force. Like, you know, it's not, but I'll find some people. Good luck, brother. Some people. Yeah, huh? thanks, brother. I'm sure people want to talk about Sandman, though. <laughs> 
when Eric called me brother is when I realized he was the one in charge. I need to actually record that in a way that it sounds like it's in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do – I'll forget, but I want to do That'd it. That would be funny. Get, add that, like, you know, the echoey sound to it. <laughs> That's what it needs. That you'd it have needs from, like, a late echo. 80s, early 90s, like, That's sitcom. What I think I'm going to do that. I shouldn't reveal that I'm going to do it, but I think that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Just hit that constantly. Oh, my goodness. But that's it. I hope people enjoyed. And again, two of the books that we will end up, and they will be two of the books me and Eric are doing. So that kind of screws things. So I'll have to kind of finagle this. But the two books that we talk about on the Patreon spotlight will be me and Eric here. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, usually about an hour and a half long is kind of the average length yeah. of our spotlight. Go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. Also, remember to look in the show notes for Thelman, Eric's buddies. Thelman's entertainment review? The, uh, review, R-E-V-U-E. Oh, my goodness, Thelman. But yeah, go and check that out as well. That would be awesome. Uh, but that's it. Eric, what do we say at the end of the show? Everybody have a great week. We keep it weird. Weird. We'll see you in seven. See you in seven. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.